All right, Pine, some popcorn is back. After a, what, two-year hiatus, I think it's been, uh, we're finally back. We're really excited to do it. I think we've been we've been circling it for a long time. As we circled the original um, idea and COVID being locked in our houses with literally nothing else to do apart from watch movies and talk about them gave us the opportunity. But as I think a lot of people found coming out of COVID, uh, readjusting back to life with a lot more things happening was difficult at times and life had changed a bit. We were dealing with, you know, extra time to go places with mask mandates and all those things which fully supportive of of course but life was very different and hard and sometimes a little bit overwhelming to manage and the unfortunately one of the things that fell by the wayside was this podcast but we always plan to come back to it and we're really excited to be back um a few things to mention quickly before i introduce my beautiful beautiful co-host uh um we will have there's going to be a merch store popping up soon i'll that'll be on the instagrams oh no did you freeze already uh i can hear you i just can't yeah no it's back yeah now we're good that'll happen okay. internet you know um uh so yeah there'll be a merch store popping up that'll happen uh i'll you keep an eye on the instagram pints of popcorn on instagram twitter facebook all that stuff um it'll be i'm really excited about some of the stuff we've got coming out there and then uh i think that's about it um if any breweries or anything out there want to sponsor us or popcorn or popcorn match manufacturers we're open for business let us know we have like I think two or three loyal listeners from two years ago. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, that's about it. We'll get into. I'll have more of a read uh, going forward. But this is just the this is this podcast. We're not doing um, anyone that listened before. We like all of our podcasts so far have been an individual movie that we do. Apart from one, we did do a little bit of a news one towards the end of our first run. Um, but this what this particular podcast won't be an individual movie. We'll be getting back into that next week. Uh, we'll announce that at the end which one we're doing, but. Yeah, we uh, this this podcast is kind of a way for us to reintroduce ourselves into chatting about movies a little bit, die, like dip our toes back in, and as well as the fact that it's just been such a crazy couple of years in a lot of different ways that since we last recorded, it's just a nice way to get back into it to talk to each other again without too much pressure about research on a movie. Um, and and but but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goddamn, they're already getting a peek behind the curtain. Um, yeah. Right but yeah, on. anyway, as you can hear that beautiful voice on the other side, Shay, <laughs> Shay's back. David. Face. My illustrious host and who <sighs> lets me podcast with him. It's so good to be back. I'm so excited. Um, there's been a lot of movies since um, we last talked. I think our last <laughs> one was June too, which is kind of embarrassing, but it was like <laughs> your birthday movie in, I believe, January of 21. Mm. So yeah um, i'm not upset that we did it but it's just hilarious that that was the last movie we did after we've talked about like so many profound topics in so many like award-winning movies and just brilliant performances we're just like goon is what we decided to bookend our last <laughs> first season with so yes <laughs> i'm glad to be back <laughs> and i and i would not change a thing <laughs> apart from being a bit more organized to keep recording but uh i was that that goon podcast was a lot of fun i probably watched that movie five or six times since as well it's a uh, couple of times a year rewatch i think so yeah comfort movie yeah (laughs) Yeah. first voice crack of the new season too so that's good get it out of the way (laughs) yeah i mean we've been talking about it for a long time and obviously we never stopped talking about film or movies together like so just because like the podcast is popping up again doesn't mean that like we stop talking about movies with each other. <laughs> yeah, or or <laughs> stop or just stop talking to each other. We've actually 
yeah, you and I like pretty we I, I think we literally talk every day. Like whether it's yeah. a couple of texts or it's a string of texting back. Well, we talk every day about a variety of things, but movies is very much a part of that. And um yeah, yeah awesome. we, we even got to we, you know, we saw each other in person finally after a couple of years of COVID, like back in March for your birthday in Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we and we talked and we talked about movies at a certain point in that trip as well, and argued about yeah, your. I was yeah. called pretentious Shay, um, <laughs> for not the first time, certainly, and probably not the last either. But um, yeah, I can't even remember what movie we were talking about that brought that I up. Can't. But yes, it it just was like that was like kind of like the seed that grew into it. Like we were always going to bring the podcast back, but that was the seed where it was like, no, we really need to do this <laughs> because. Yeah we're just like the first time we see each other in four years in person and we're just yelling at each other about movies mm -hmm. like while watching um the blazers play <laughs> <So it's> like, <laughs> which is the whole reason we went there and it was just like yeah so philadelphia can't even stop us from talking about film so. no like it can well it couldn't stop us from much really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, i had a just, great time oh yeah same we, we... great time <laughs> I never I I didn't I didn't think I was uh you know young enough anymore to close down bars in any city particularly a big one like Philly but managed it so um you know didn't get in fights either which was really my biggest concern but again that was difficult turning back, yeah <laughs> turning back to film there's been yes. a lot of great ones um we've talked about a lot of great films obviously you and I have different tastes but we do overlap a great deal so um it's been fun to talk to you not on the podcast about movies because you feel like more free obviously you don't have yeah to, you know i mean maybe one day with our pod I'll, I'll be there where i can just remember that i'm just speaking to no one <laughs> that's what that's what the, that's what the beauty of the pod has always been though i think we get into that um my first question to you uh you know about movie things was you know the last time we talked on the podcast i don't i don't think you've probably been back to the cinema yet i think you took a little i went back um at the end of 2020 obviously the australia opened up a little bit sooner for certain things um and we and we were just a little bit we handled it better uh oh yeah <laughs> without I, I, I was like i was like why is that controversial as it, it is we just handled oh, it, it will be but yeah yeah but anyway we'll probably get flagged for something <laughs> um but you know, I so I've been back, but you know, but the last time uh, we talked on the podcast, I don't think you'd been back yet. So, how have you found the experience of going like back to the cinema post pandemic? Like, just the experience. Have you found it? Did, was it weird at first after a long absence? Uh, have you found it a bit different, or is it is it feeling? Um, I guess, and the thing is, like your appreciation for it as well. I know you don't go quite as much as me and my lovely wife do, but I don't live um, in LA, which is a, a yeah. Yeah, I mean, going to the cinema in Wallingford or North Haven, Connecticut, is a little different than <laughs> L.A. for private screenings or, like, um, not private, but um, select. Yeah, it's a little different out here. Um, yeah, I have found it to be, like, I want my space, mm. which I always have been that way. I think my father taught me that at movies. It's like, why are you sitting right next to me when there's, like, seats open? But especially like post pandemic, like when you're sitting in a theater, like, and there's only like a couple other people and then somebody sits down right next to you and you select your seats now. And it's just mm -hmm. like, why are, you, why are you sitting right next? It's like, because I've just been watching film, like I had watched films for a year and a half, like 
on my couch. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I don't want to be around anybody. I got like, I like that. That was something about the pandemic that I liked. It's almost like standing in line at the store and somebody stands too close to you. It's like, why are you standing this close to me? Yeah. There's no, like we as people, there's no, like, this isn't a busy, like Tokyo subway. <laughs> more than it, the united states is gigantic um but yeah i've enjoyed my time back um i have found that like i eat less at the movies um i drink more at the movies thank you pandemic um but <laughs> um but yeah it is different for sure i like my space more but also since the pandemic i feel like there is I I do miss like old movie theaters with like kind of the shitty seats almost like I almost mm-hmm. miss the experience. Yeah, like I I don't want the cinema to feel like my couch, and I feel like that's where we're at now. So yeah, like so, can bring... oh go ahead. Oh yeah, so so the cinema like local to you is quite a like one of those ones that's got the reclining seats and all that kind of thing, or is that what yeah, you're talking I mean, about? Yeah, everyone I go to now is yeah. like. I haven't, like, I'm sure indie theater, like, I'm sure there's some, like, indie house in New Haven that I haven't been to yet um, has that stuff, like, kind of like the Bijou in Eugene Mm. still has that, but every theater I go to now, even, like, Wallingford Cinema is absolute shit, and it still has, like, you can lean back and, like, and it's just, like, in the summertime, it's the worst. Like, I don't want, I remember... Seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, our first episode ever, mm-hmm. shameless plug, at Pints and Popcorn on Instagram, um, that, uh, like, I remember sweating, like, my legs sweating in the seats, because it was almost four years ago when that came mm-hmm. out, um, just sitting in those leather chairs in the summertime, and my legs sweating, and I'm like, man, give me those old shitty cinema chairs, and, like, I don't know, like a, like a bucket of popcorn, not a bag, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what what i what i'm hearing is you actually do need to come out to la and go to the uh quentin tarantino's new bev because that, well, that is yeah that is that is I, I know we've talked about it that you you would like to come out at some point um and that'll happen uh hopefully everyone buys merch and pays for it um but <laughs> uh but yeah it's uh no, I, I, it's interesting you bring, I've never thought about it this way because I do enjoy, uh, I have to say, I do enjoy when I go to one of those cinemas and like, because me and Andrea and I sometimes, um, when we go to a movie, it's sometimes when she's right, just finished work and we're just squeezing, squeezing in the time. So we don't have time to line up for uh, the, the snack bar because there's usually like a 15 people deep line. Like it's busy a, oh, lot, sure. a lot out here. And, um, I don't miss that either. Yeah. So, so yeah. what we'll do is we'll like, we'll have our seats and on the AMC app, you can like, this is not, we're not sponsored by AMC. I'm just, it's just the local AMC we go to. Open to you, it. Yeah. Open yeah. If they want to, if they want to, they, I know that they're, uh, uh, they, they, about they, a lot of their movies <laughs> yeah uh but they we we order the food like you can order food to your seats on the app and like it'll arrive like 10 minutes into the movie time which is just during the trailers basically and so you can order whatever you want we do that and then we, we you know we're leaning back in our seats i do enjoy that but then whenever i go to either the new bev or uh i'm gonna shout out a few cinemas like the frida cinema in santa Ana here in la there's the uh we've gone to the era a few times american cinema tech they're really if you're in la and you haven't spot, like supported them yet get around american cinema tech seeing an open 70 millimeter this week with them so 
Um, so the Frida, Aero, uh, all the American Cinema Tech, which is Lost Fleas 3 as well. And then the uh, Brain Dead Studios, which is just around the corner from NewBev. They're all your old school, you know, like the cloth flip down seat. That's all it is. No frills, nice screen. It's a good screen, good sound, uh, but they don't, you know, it's none of the, and, and you, I do enjoy it. I, occasionally, a double feature gets a little hard on your back, but, but I'm, 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 I, I have, yeah, but you're, 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 you know, you're a lot fitter man than I am. So that's just a personal, but I, I that's one of those things that I, I sit there and go, I could be better about this for myself. Like this is, I'm not going to blame the sin. Like I, you know, some people go, oh, these seats are uncomfortable and they're like incredibly unfit and you go, well, there's, there's a certain part of it that's on you. And that's my thing too. Like I go, I could have better conditioning to, not be struggling through a double feature with my back. No judgment. Yeah. But so that's what I mean. Like the the yeah, while I do enjoy the lean backs uh thing because it, it's handy for my lazy body, uh I oh do I do also agree. Like I this is me going, I can see both sides, but I, I agree with you in a way. Like it's just it, there is something uh magical about that old school cinema experience, which Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm coming from is like it's supposed to be about and I think like that's kind of what's like lost on American culture at this point. And like we can probably get into this later, which is should be a catchphrase for us. <laughs> Just getting but... my phone to make a note. New shirt, new shirt idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cut that. Editor, cut that. <laughs> Pines and cops. Snip, snip, snip. It's cut. It's in the book. It's in the it's in the can. <laughs> but like I like I feel like going to the movies now is more about like going to the movies than the actual film and like the film is like the film is this I'm sorry <laughs> I watched Heat recently for the first time which our one listener will enjoy because I assume <laughs> that if they're listening to this they they love Heat but I saw it for the first time like within the past couple months and um it's like the squeeze is the juice for me or whatever he says and that's like with me for like a film it's like it's like going to see a film and being there just for the film is what it's about. It, like, I don't go to eat popcorn. I don't go to eat candy. I don't go for previews. I go for the film that I want mm. to see. Yeah. And I know that that sounds pretentious, but I don't really give a shit. Pretentious shit. Snipping, snipping. <laughs> I don't care. I'm snipping, I'm snipping that for a shirt, too. Yeah. But I mean that in the most, because because you do, you... um. I mean, the Venn, di- like the Venn diagram of you and I crossing over in a lot of films is quite like, like we do cross over, but then there is a certain part of film that you don't enjoy that I do. And then, uh, and, but so, you know, but you are, you're all right. There's a, there's a part of, well, th- this is the thing. And this is what I was going to get into because you started talking about like the, the culture thing with it. And this isn't just solo to America. It's um, something that's been annoying me in Australia over the, since the pandemic, especially uh, it's gotten a hundred times worse. I feel uh, when I was still in Australia, and now I'm here. The expectation that you can just people are so free willing with pulling their phones out, talking, all that shit is doing my head in. And there is, and part of that is because I think to your point, the lounge back idea that you can get food delivered, all these different things, um, has given a sense of comfort that people who got so used to sitting there for a year at home during the pandemic, watching movies, texting, not taking it in fully. I think that's part of it. So there is to your point, like while I do enjoy some of those frills at the cinema, like the one of the things I hate is like when I'm sitting there and I see, and I, I don't notice as much, but Andrea notices every single person and she 
The only reason she doesn't start a fight is just because I'm just like I can put up with it and get through the movie. But I think she she would like to smack a few around, and that then like that's like I I wish the multiplexes and the big ones actually took more of a stance on it in a way, like because you just feel like you don't have any support there because people are so open with it. Um, and that's and that's to the point here in LA and hopefully any other place like the new Bev, which is Tarantino's house, uh, they hard on it. I've seen someone pull out a phone once in there. They do a big announcement beforehand and basically say you'll be banned for life as a joke because I don't think they oh, can for, do that. Oh, it's a joke? Yeah, yeah, because I don't think they actually have a system that they could actually bet like, you know, it's not like they've got like reading IDs or anything, but um, uh, but someone pulled out a phone once at the start, like during the previews as well, because their thing is like the whole movie is part of the experience. Like we cater, cater the previews for it. And someone pulled it out uh, towards the end of the trailers. Well, they cater, they cater the trailers for the movie you're watching. So there, it is part of the narrative. Um, someone pulled his phone out and the person walked right down and said, you need to put that away or you need to get outside. It's very quietly, very direct. And then we haven't, and no one talks. People laugh and clap and do all that because they're, they're, they're doing it for the movie. And that's something that I think a lot of these, small, like to kind of build off of your point, I think a lot of these smaller movie or independent movie houses that do have a good following are going to keep being more successful if they keep to that uh, purist ideal because you can, Andrea and I, one of the reasons we go to these places is because we know we're going to get a bit more support and the fact that the the people are there to actually watch the movie, whether it be a new one or a, or one that's beloved, as a lot of the ones we do go see at these places are. And and you're not going to see, uh, you know, some idiot that doesn't really care about the movie and is just there. Take like they take a photo halfway through the movie on Snapchat and go, "Oh, look, I'm here at the Boogeyman or whatever." Um, you know, just to tell oh. their friend, and it's just like and, and interrupts our experience. The Boogeyman, ironically, we went and saw the Boogeyman and actually had a really good crowd for that one. But we've taken the tack that movies in multiplexes, we wait three or four weeks and then go see it when it's up towards the end of its run because you get you get rid of some of the. The ones that are just wanting to be there for the hype after that time, yeah, yeah. I like, I'll do it. So what I've taken to doing is taking a picture outside of when I'm going into whatever theater I'm mm. going into, rather than trying to take like the title shot. But I definitely was that person that was taking a picture of the title shot. But like, I would do that, like, not in a crowded movie theater for sure. Like, yeah, most of the movies I see like aren't crowded because I wait like to mm. not um go like i'm waiting on barbie and oppenheimer as we speak but um i might see barbie tonight we'll see how the night goes but um any yeah. good movie to see with a buzz <laughs> yeah every movie is a good movie to see with a buzz but yeah that's fair <laughs> <Not Oppenheimer. laughs> like, yeah i think that might make me want to drink like petroleum but um <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Um, yeah, as we record, um, the Barbenheimer has has hit. So. Yeah, I've got that on my list for after. So okay. don't don't worry that that that'll be that'll be coming up. I'm bad at following rules and instructions. I literally sent you a screenshot of this, and he clearly didn't. <laughs> yes, I agree. I yeah. I don't know the phone thing. I think it's just something we'll have to get used to because I yeah. I don't see it going anywhere. I mean, that's a fair point like i um uh, i think you're frozen but i can still hear you so it's fine um just just in case you were wondering um but yeah i the, the i think that well that's the thing i don't think the phone thing's ever going to go away in the multiplexes i just wish there was a bit more uh 
Yeah, and that's the thing. They, they, there's the the way they work, and the you know you can get into the whole of, of American culture and how much people are paid to work in these places. Unfortunately, they just can't handle policing people on their phones as well, and having someone stationed in each cinema or something like that. That's just not going to work unless we change unless we change the entire structure of cinema. But that's why I think these independent houses and they're actually like i assume they're doing it without having talked to someone i I know it might be something on the future journey of this podcast if people i we i'd like to talk to some of the people that run these places and see how it works for them but the thing is they're a single usually a single cinema at most a two cinema setup so they do have an advantage in the fact that their entire business is built around just one screen whereas a multiplex you can have you know eight 16 whatever movies running at a time at at minimum so uh like overlapping with the yeah. same picture. you're just like jesus christ yeah. it's- so yeah so but that, that i've always known that that's a thing you just have to deal with and i'm not going to be like old grumpy man on the lawn about it like as i said i'm i i, I see it happen and i just try to if someone gets obnoxious about it i'll kind of at least just say something but the, beyond but i'd say it has to get to a fair level for me to even do that my one takeaway of that is uh, it has gotten – it's noticeably worse since the pandemic, which is one of those effects that I was kind of talking about at the start, like how how it's changed since. I think people have gotten more bold with it and just uh, subconscious attitudes have changed, and that's what I've noticed. So my point being support the independent places that, you know, whether they're showing, you know, their, their revivals and showing older older movies or they're showing a bit, bit of both or whatever – um yeah support them as well because if you want to go see go see a movie that you know you're going to love which is always nice because sometimes you go see a new movie and you and you realize you hate it um and often they're actually pretty cheap too like the new bed yeah. for their mid the new bed for their midnight movies are still ten dollars and during the day they're 13 um and you get yeah. just literally yeah just Take a simple... picture post it on instagram you know mm-hmm. you're an influencer now yeah so... <laughs> <laughs> Just but, three simple steps. There'll be. I've got like a little catalog of pictures that I'm going to start like sharing on the Pints and Popcorn nice. account yeah. to just kind of go over the last yeah. few months of the journey down here. But yeah, and you've sent those to me, and they're obviously mm-hmm. like, makes me so jealous. And it's like that's what I want us to like say to like listeners is like if you have like a local cinema that like either plays like cool indie flicks or like plays the classics, like go go to it because mm-hmm. when you don't have it in a town that you live it hurts you mm-hmm. know it sucks for me like seeing like like a like a24 just put out something um that will be an art house flick but like the critics are raving about it and i i want to say it's called like afterlife or something like that but no nah, that's a different a24 flick but um but it's like man i know the one you're talking about it's a uh, fuck it's not after might be no i know the one you're talking about. it's one that you were talking about a while ago i think as well yeah and it's yeah supposed to be amazing and it's just like when you have nowhere to see that like that's when it feels bad so support your local cinema like even if you're like on the fence about something like just go like at the end of the day like we just talked about like you're watching a film like whether you like it or not like you're supporting local business like you're gonna get good popcorn they probably serve booze like just go and like it's it's an hour and 45 minutes of your life if you don't like it then you just took in art that you didn't like and now you know what you like better but Mm. you're supporting something so it's like yeah support your local art house because you don't really like understand what it's like to not have something like that in your life yeah and and to that point like because it sounds i feel like it sounds i've just been thinking about as you're talking also do like my big thing too is like 
as as much as I've just shit on the people within the cinemas, we still need to support the multiplexes and then the new releases when they come out because you know those opening weekend numbers are such a crucial part of um, the Hollywood makeup and and we'll get into we'll get into just if anyone's listening we'll get into the WGA and and all that uh, SAG after and all that stuff in a bit uh, I promise you but um, that might be in the second half. Um, but yeah, support. You've got to support the big movies past as well. Lives. If, if, Sorry if, to interrupt. <laughs> past lives, yeah. After afterlife, past lives, yeah. I was, I was like, Sorry you were... to interrupt, but I was, <laughs> it was driving me insane. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, I really want to see that movie, and I can't find it anywhere in Connecticut. And it's just mm-hmm. like, hey, that's why you support like in art house because like they will always have that film. Yeah. Yeah. And now, like, you might see it with three other people. And like maybe like a collection of like fifteen people will see it overall, but it's like that's why you're supporting that place. So you like that they can bring that for you. Like so, mm. you're helping yourself out in the long. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's what I've always talked about with you as well. I know we've talked about a lot off air is like all all of the mechanisms and and kind of the structures and and the and the nervous system of the Hollywood system and the wider cinema system all feeds off of each other. Like the smaller ones get. The smaller ones get a bit of like you know the smaller movies sometimes with big actors in them or, or whatever come from the fact that their wider ecosystem is healthy um, and so you know support the small ones support the big ones support the in between ones just support the cinema and what you love like you know we're not saying go out and see a movie you don't like you know John like you know I know Shay's not going to go out and see every horror movie I reckon I say I loved because he's not into like you know. There's one that I'll bring up, and we're going to have our top five discoveries of the last few years, and towards the end of the podcast. And uh, I know. is a way to put it. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm not doing so well on that, but yeah. I've actually, I've actually, have a letterbox. We'll get to that too. Like, yeah, we'll get, we'll get, one. we'll get to that there. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, so to, to transition, we'll do this. We'll do. Uh, we'll talk about this, and then we'll take a quick break before we get into the second half. To talk about, I think it's kind of a. a, a an organic way into it because we've just been talking about movies and opening weeks and everything. And you brought it up a little bit before Barbenheimer just, yes. just without, uh, we'll get into it, but like just uh, with me just saying that word, what, what do you think about the, this phenomenon that's just grown uh, just crazily really? I think it's hilarious because like, as I've sent you recently, it's like, this is obviously not the first time that yeah. like overlapped. Um, but it is funny that like these two, which are seemingly way different films, but I don't actually think I think like a fan of film will like both of them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen either, by the way. Yeah, another yeah, right. It's Saturday for us. Me and Andrea are doing the Barbenheimer double feature, and um, I think in a space of about seven hours, we'll have seen both movies. Which Oppenheimer being three hours is why it's it's a decent amount of time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I'm probably going to see Barbie first just because it's in my local cinema and I want to see, not that North Haven is very far away, but um, I think the one that I could squeeze in tomorrow where I would want to watch it is at 10.45 a.m. And it's just like, uh, I'm not ready for that at 10.45 a.m. <laughs> but I will. I, I have Monday off, so I think I will see it that day down there mm. on, a, on a big screen. It's on an IMAX screen, but a big screen. Um. I think big screen and decent sound system is just important for Oppenheimer. That's like at the very least, like if you can do it, obviously some people, as you were saying, it's um, location sometimes makes it tough, but I mean, I don't even know an IMAX around me, but um, (laughs) I think it's a good thing 
<laughs> for film. Mm-hmm. It's like cool because it is like it like pits people against each other. Like I'm not into that, but like it has on in- Instagram and Twitter and um threads and social all the social media stuff. It's like it's pit people against each other, so it's like it's really good for cinema that like people are excited about like wanting to see their side of the things and like obviously mm-hmm. all the meme- memes and gifs and all that stuff are hilarious, but um it's just really cool that there's two movies that like different sects of the population are excited to see. Mm-hmm. And like at the same time and like it is a Venn diagram because obviously we're in the middle, we're going to see both. But like yeah. it's cool that there's movies that people are excited about coming out at the same time. So if like you don't even go to the movies that often, like one of those movies probably trips your trigger a little bit. So yeah. I'm I mean, I'm excited to see how like people take in barbie because i think there is a sect of our current society that like doesn't really understand maybe where it's going to be coming from and like they're going to be shocked by it or they're going to say it's terrible because they like think it's something and it's not for some, for some reason a lot of them are based in florida and certain other states but anyway <laughs> um sorry is this thing on no. <laughs> what is this thing yeah yeah <laughs> um no you're, you're right and i think what what's cool about it like i do agree i think it's really good for uh the cinema particularly at this time that um actors are literally not allowed to plug their stuff um again we'll get into it in the second half but i think this thing has taken on an organic like fan-based uh you know rolling uh, you know uh stone like boulder rolling down the hill that's just collecting you know collecting stuff as it goes down a snowball that's what i was looking for your Good microphone. Guy. We you even go. talked about it. I know. The pod. I, str- I struggled. <laughs> I struggled with Snowball then too. Don't I? I'm, just not, yeah, I'm not getting. I'm not going to get into the context of that. Blue balls. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's kind of built like it's just it started a couple of, a few months ago. And I think you know I can't remember when I first noticed it, but it's just like you know the the release dates came out and then someone something started. I'm going to show it actually now. Like Andrea's got this shirt that she's going to wear on on Saturday. <laughs> Um, if I can unfold it properly, and hopefully it shows. So, yeah. yeah. Oh God, the the the, the green screen. Yeah, it's not like... happening. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll post it on the Instagram. Anyway, I I should I gotta I gotta figure I gotta figure out the uh the uh the background thing better. Um, but you know the, she's wearing a Barbenheimer shirt, but and Andrea was loose. Like I know when Oppenheimer first got. In... Let's just make that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Whenever <laughs> I talk about Andrea, it is my wife. um she was she was interested in like she's a cinema lover and like and she she certainly has enjoyed some nolan films so oppenheimer was like she was warmly interested in it i think but i mean she she got is how i would describe my interest in it too yeah well i mean just as i guess stoked about it as everybody is i was in i was intrigued when it got announced that it was nolan making an oppenheimer film because nolan's got such an interesting history of cinema you know doing dark Knight and and the superhero movies, and then uh, even just right back to Memento, and and in the and in yeah, and Interstellar is actually I think I think might be his favorite film of mine, which is sometimes oh. over. I was over him after Inception. <laughs> no, I didn't dislike Inception, but it just felt like the same thing again. It would no, be like... inter- it'll be interesting to see when because uh, I, I probably will uh broach Interstellar at some point in the future, so uh, because I do oh, I do gosh. have a lot of thoughts, yeah. Um, but so when I think and so Oppenheimer got announced, but the thing was in between that, we'd had uh Dunkirk, which was an incredibly unique 
uh, war film that took uh, took a quintessentially Nolan approach to it, um, but still grounded it in history. And so you got like an idea of the way he looks at history in a way. And then and then Oppenheimer gets announced, and then you go, okay, this is different because this is actually you know autobiographical rather than Dunkirk. You can still take somewhat, you know, you just you you know your GI or not GIs, but you know British soldiers on the beach and stuff. There's no one that has to be based, but this is actually a movie that's got people that are based in history, ground in history, very much the central focus of it. And uh, so it was interesting, and and just as a history, like I've always known who Oppenheimer was, obviously, and you you as well. Like we're both history guys. But I read the uh, American Prometheus. Uh, it's like an eight hundred page, like magnum opus, like Which right from this film is based on. Yes, yeah, uh, right from his birth, right through his death, and everything in between. Um, and that book just sent me, <laughs> excuse the pun, but sent me nuclear in my excitement for the movie because when you read, like, and that's the thing, I think we so much of us we know that he was an interesting character, and I, I had a base idea of the fact that he had been pulled beside the like pulled in front of the um any American activities or whatever they called the fucking thing um uh, commission of you know the McCarthy the Red Scare and the McCarthyism and all that stuff. I knew that he was involved in that, um, but I didn't know how much of his life was so much involved. Like you know the and this is the thing, a lot of people on the on the outside are going, this is just the the guy that made the bomb movie, but. That is a part of it, but there is so much more to it, which is insane. And but I've gone on a complete tangent. But Andrea, I think since the Bar- the Barbenheimer stuff has gotten hurt, like she, I think she was going to come. She, I I bought tickets for our IMAX showing like over a month ago, and they're they're now completely sold out in the day I was going. So I'm glad that we uh, did that. Um, but her yeah, her like, her yeah. excitement was there, and she was like, oh, "I'm going to go see it," and she was interested, but. She, like it's kind of like the Barbenheimer thing has just made people that weren't so interested in the other side. I think there's there's it's it's a thing now that people are going to do the double feature over this weekend, whether it be opening day or us on Saturday. It has made a thing out of like there is going to be people that weren't going to go see both, but again do it. And this is like kind of the cultural thing we we're talking about before that sometimes is annoying, but this is a positive for cinema is that there is a a, a hashtag ability of being able to go see both. Like even letterbox yeah. that we'll talk about, yeah. letterbox that we'll talk about, yeah. yeah, it's it's gonna get, it's gonna get a crossover that this kind of random duality of, yeah, two movies, yeah. Well, when we bought it, so we bought our tickets for the IMAX showing of Oppenheimer a month and a half ago when yeah, they first got first got yeah, I, I remember sending you the text and then, and I looked the other day and saw that they're completely sold out every session on that day for the 70 millimeter IMAX. So every session is completely sold out. You can't even click on it to find a single seat. They're just sold out. And then, so, yeah, and we didn't have our Barbie tickets yet. And I thought, oh, you know, I went, oh, shit, I should actually look to see when Barbie and half of the Barbie showings were limited seating. Basically, if you want to sit rough front row, Andrea and I could get two. Otherwise, it was nothing. And we don't like sitting front row. So I had to go back to. 2 p.m. in the day, which is an hour after Oppenheimer finishes, because we were planning to go get lunch and have some drinks in between. Now, now, as I said to you off air, Andrea's saying we'll do shots quickly in between. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's 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 I've created seen you do shots. It's bad. <laughs> it has created this thing that people are gonna that are they're crossing over that I don't think would have is gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how the box office numbers coming out because so much is the predictive numbers sometimes make. I don't know. I I still don't understand how you know people go do the projections and then they they perform below expectation and people say it's a flop and I go well 
you know, until until a number is real, then what are we doing anyway? But um, it'll be interesting to see how the box office numbers come out. What would be more interesting to know, and I don't know how you can quantify this without doing like exit polling of cinemas, but how many people went and saw both this weekend would be a really interesting yeah. number. The combined box office of the people that saw both would be a really interesting number to know. I agree with you completely. Like, I just think like cinemas are so stoked right now. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're gonna like about to make our nut for the entire fall, and there's some great pictures coming out this fall already, like that have already been announced. Um, so like I'm sure like this is great. Like I like I've already said and reiterated like if this is great for cinema and stuff. And like going back to what you were talking about, like it's just like cool to see a story like brought to life that people think that they know and they don't they actually know nothing about because they like have heard about it like when they were growing up or something and i just really think barbie is going to be like very cool i yeah no we we yes yeah you're right we did spend a lot of time talking about um oppenheimer I didn't that a... joke up well enough god damn it i was trying to figure it out how to do it <laughs> like i was talking about oppenheimer but like actually talking about barbie so mm. fuck, god damn it didn't set it up well enough that's fine we're rusty it's fine canceled by the <laughs> um no but you're right like barbie uh is you know and i was interested immediately from the start on barbie uh just because of the, the the writers involved obviously greta gerwig's direct yes yeah. yeah greta gerwig's uh directing and, and she and she wrote it with her um husband they're married right here in bombac they're not just partners at least partner like yeah which you know i love I mean. bombac obviously yeah. if you listen to this podcast you probably know that i like noah bombac yes yeah. <laughs> I, <think we've, laughs> I don't think we've done a noah bombac movie but um but yeah so it's it's greta gerwig involved which is already just makes you more intrigued than if it was you know there's certain directors that you may just go this is gonna be more straight in line but when you knew that those two were involved in writing a barbie movie it was like this is gonna be different and then, obviously, we love Margot. Um, I mean, as an Australian, uh, it is one of our patriotic duties to love Margot Robbie, and it's an easy one to do. It's a lot easier than liking the Australian cricket team after the last two days of play. Um, that's going to be very... That's going to be very... As an American, I also support Margot Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Ryan Gosling is one of our best. Um, so, And I think he's like going to play like this character, which, slight hint to next week's pod, but, I was actually um, I was actually just going to announce it so you can do that you can say it, say it. yeah oh you you want me to say what we're going to do yeah it's the middle of the podcast if anyone's listening okay. by now they might uh, they yeah, hopefully we're gonna do nice guys because I think it is his be- and I'm stealing away from a podcast in the future but that's what I do with drinking anyways steal my joy <laughs> from the future so um yeah we're doing nice guys um and I think it's his most charming role and I think he is the reason that movie really succeeds like um Shane Black is amazing obviously but he really brings that life to character all right we're not talking about that movie yeah no okay shit okay well your your point your point being I hate movie trailers too and I just did it as I just gave too much away uh, there'll be there'll be plenty more, and I'll I, and I'll uh, and I and I will talk to you on that point as well because I think I think uh, Russ is equally important. But yeah, we'll get to that next week. Uh, nice guys, podcast is. Yeah. Um, but we support yeah. our own, particularly the the Kiwis we stole, as Russell Crowe is. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, to your point, like I think that's uh, an underrated thing about Ryan Gosling is he's got so many good dramatic roles, and there's there's going to be a movie I'll throw at you in the future that probably not one that you'd watch otherwise. But I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make you do, and yeah, you're gonna yeah. make me you're gonna make me do movies as well. That's the way it is. Um, but Gosling is such a varied great actor that he's had so many and there's multiple movies that are examples of his dramatic um what's it is a blue valentine's one um drive the slaughter it, rule dude the slaughter yeah. rule. i'm telling you that movie is fucked and i think it it's a famous mm. director too i might be david o russell who did it mm-hmm. but i remember watching it when i was like 20 and it fucked me up so, <laughs> like, uh, and Ryan is indie flick, and like Ryan got, yeah, man, yeah, he can, yeah, he can do, but he's also like the most affable human being ever. Yeah, and we'll, and again, we won't give away too much of Nice Guys because we'll be doing that next week. But, but there's a lot of his, there's a lot of right? artists, huh? Large, that's his name. March, March, God, <laughs> Holland March. All right. Holland marches into his kitchen and gets his arm broken by Russell Crowe. Think about it that way. Um, but yeah, movies like Drive as well, where it's super minimalistic and, it, and it's all like in the expression and he doesn't talk much. But then you do movies like The Nice Guys or this with Barbie, where it's all like, it's all performance and and somewhat, and not without having seen Barbie yet. It's it's like, it's it's a it's a particular, it's got to be a unique style of acting that, and yeah, so I, I'm really excited for, both of those guys but then even the the outside of that like um as someone who started watching insecure because uh andrea loved it like Issa Rae is like fucking fantastic in that show and as a as a writer and creator she's fantastic as well so it's gonna be really cool to see her in there and kate mckinnon's in there and i can't even think of any of the male barbies apart from uh, michael Sarah. but i'm really excited to see michael Sarah in a movie again last movie i watched michael Sarah. glad that he like fucked off for a bit because like people were being way too mean to him about being like what he is like as an actor and like he's yeah. actually pretty good okay so the slaughter rule doesn't really have any ties to what we were talking about other than ryan gosling i <laughs> swore i swore that some like a famous director had ties to it like he wrote it so more on that later we'll get back to you in next episode but <laughs> The slaughter rule is fucked up and shows Gosling's range, especially as a young man. It came out in O2. So, mm. like yeah, that's, that's like two or three years pre Notebook, which is the kind of the blow up movie. Which I've never uh, seen. I think, he, I think he was, it was pretty similar because I think he was in Remember the Titans, which was 2001. Um, yes, I remember seeing Remember the Titans and him mm. playing country music for the black man. And, and like, but like him being like, him giving up his position because Ryan Gosling is the man. You know, I don't mm. even think his character wanted to do that, and I think he just did that naturally. Yeah, yeah, he 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 had a little audible in in a football movie, so to speak. He realized his dad was a horrible racist. He's like, he's like, wait, what character am I playing right now? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's gonna be really exciting to see Barbie though. I, and that's the thing is like, I think I would have. This is what's funny, and I, I always wonder how culture affects me because I always try to be cognizant of how things are going. But I'm, ha- I'm, I'm also happy to get like, you know, wrapped up in cultural moments because I think it's fun. It's fun to be a part of a moment as a history student. You know, you, it's kind of fun to recognize you're in a little, a little moment. Um, and I think the Barbenheimer thing is really 
cool as a as a cinema lover to be involved in. Like, I think like we would have gone and see we would have gone and see Barbie anyway if it was released a month after Oppenheimer. We would have seen both. It would have happened. We were always going to be a part of both of the box office numbers for those movies. Um, but but the, but the fact that the buzz has happened and and there's all the memes and stuff just makes me more excited to see both of them. And whether that affects how I enjoy them, I don't know. Um, like as in, like, I never I never let buzz it let it let me like I've been as someone who's been a Star Wars fan and all this. Oh, still I like still like Star Wars, but we all know the history of the Star Wars movies, the up and down of the creative influence in there, and and how people have received some of them. The buzz is a lot of you know Star Wars buzz can be both incredibly good and incredibly some of the worst parts of cine- cinema fandom as well. So I'm not someone who gets wrapped up in that because I, I let you know the, the, I, literally just reading an article today about John Boyega from um, the Star Wars sequels saying how the Last Jedi is 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 the one that he liked the least, which you know his character had some interesting decisions in that one that he probably didn't like, but that's the one I like the most. So. Um, and but most most of the fanboys don't like so it's it's like i i don't let buzz get in the way of my enjoyment of things but if anything when stuff like this happens i let it enhance my enjoyment of it if that makes sense yeah. like like i'm already going to enjoy both I, i'm pretty i'm not 100 sure because i i have trust in greta gerber again i have trust in christopher nolan and i have trust in the entire creative teams behind both movies the actors writers everyone involved are going to be like I, I just have trust that i'm going to enjoy them to some degree I think the buzz, like I never let buzz down, cool my enthusiasm. I'm kind of the positive thinker, and one of the rare moments I'm a positive thinker in life really is when it comes to movies. If, if, if there's positive buzz, I just let it enhance my buzz for a movie. If that makes sense, I just let myself get wrapped. Yeah. I let myself get. I just let myself get wrapped up in in the positive fandom and go, "This is cool." And so the Barmanheimer thing for me, I think, is just it's a really cool thing because. Like I said, we were going to see both anyway, but for the amount of people that are, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, I think I shared it to the Pints of Popcorn story yesterday. Had a, they did like a little street interview thing where they were asking people what their plans are for the Barbenheimer thing. And they were like, people, oh, so many random people just being like, yeah, we're going to, we're seeing both. We've got tickets for this day. We're, we're doing double feature. And I think that's really good for cinema as a whole. And to wrap, kind of to wrap up the chat, really, that's just what it is. It's, it's anything that's good for cinema, regardless of if you're into it or not should be celebrated i think i agree with you completely um on that i will not be seeing them in the same day because i feel like it's just like too much like um you know it's too much in the head it's (laughs) like it's just like i want to enjoy each of them on their own i don't fault anybody for doing that like it's very cool like supporting two movies at the same oh, and, time and neither do i fault you for doing it like it, 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 this is one of those things that you and i are very strong on is like whatever works for you is what works for you as a human as long as it's not hurting anyone else it's it just do you you know yeah and there's a movie that i'll bring up um in the second half that like when i saw that like i didn't want to watch any media or content or film or anything after i watched it mm. i just like wanted to be with myself and so like that's so like that's actually like how i feel about a lot of films um is just like i just want to take it in because a lot of films like leave me like because i don't watch a lot of films for entertainment i like i like films that push me mm-hmm. you know and that's like what we've thought and like uh, a lot of the horror films you recommend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of the you know i say that with love me, no but a lot of the horror films you push me into like it's the same way but in a different way you know mm-hmm. it's like just being pushed in different ways like like i like expanding like 
where I'm coming from. So it's mm-hmm. like, and like I have to be like, um, we talk. There's a movie that came out from my favorite director recently, and it took me a week to see it because I just wasn't in the right headspace before I wanted to see it. Like I wanted to see it opening night when they announced the date, but like when it got to brass tacks, it was just like. I'm just like honestly not in the right headspace to like take that in. So I didn't like so that's like where I am with like film. And I mm-hmm. like that's not me criticizing anybody else. Like I am a fucking mess. But <laughs> like but um No, yeah. and that makes sense too. Like I I I've gotten more into doing the double feature thing and stuff. And it's partly because you just we're just out. And it's part of a benefit of living out here in Los Angeles. Just sometimes the opportunity is just so there that you have to do it. And right. cinema, have, like, yeah. So and then and particularly the fact that we're going down a Universal City Walk, like right near Universal Studios right. there to see Oppenheimer. And you pay for parking down there anyway, but you get it validated by the cinema. So we're like, well, we might as well see oh, both. Really? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like twenty five dollars and you basically get it's not even bad. No, no, it's not. And I'll talk uh, off air about, or it could be thirty. I think it might be thirty, and then no, but you, but then you get twenty five dollars back uh, for seeing the movies or so. It's something. It's pretty good actually. You end up only paying five dollars for parking, whatever it is, which is pretty good for um, anyone that parks in Los Angeles knows it can be a shit show. So, um, but, and and particularly down like <laughs> Universal, Universal City Welcome Studios and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's like. The way people intake, you know, some, you know, I, I, I would rather us have like a couple of hours break between the movies because I, I would like us to be able to go and digest Oppenheimer and then get into Barbie. But as I, as I mentioned earlier, we, we, uh, we, <laughs> we didn't have the opportunity to do that because I should have probably bought the Barbie ticket sooner, but I didn't. It's only as the week, as, as the hype really started hitting, I was just like, I, I should fucking look into this now. Um, cause we were just going to buy them on the day. Um, right, but, yeah. but yeah, people are into it, which is cool. Yeah, and that's and that's the that's the end thing. Like, I mean, for you, like, you're still going to see both, and that's and there's going to be a lot of people like that. There's probably going to be a large percentage of the overall intake after the movies are done in the cinematic run around the world. It will be a lot of people that saw them at at different stages, but I think it's still cool that we have the opening weekend. There's, I don't think, again, I don't know how you quantify this and how you find out every single number of people that went and saw both in a weekend, but considering the difference between the actual movies themes. And the type of movies they are, I don't think we'll ever see, um, for a while at least, such a crossover of people seeing both just because of a an internet meme, basically. Well, do you think, knowing how, and this is a slight preview to the second half, as always, do you think that the studio execs are going to see like the gener- the the buzz that was generated? by these two movies coming out and they're going to try to do this shit more often and they're going to try to manufacture it that's an interesting question um i'll say yes right away for me because i yeah i i can i can imagine it would take i mean if you've got movies coming out from the same studio yeah i think i think yeah the same studio here's me being dumb on the our movie podcast that's about us knowing movies is are these no, I actually, I actually don't know. I actually don't know. That's like a literally, and I'll like cut we're, we're... it, Dave. Cut it from the. <laughs> no, no, we're in, we're an authentic. We're an, we're an authentic podcast. We we don't we don't pretend to know what we don't know, and I we're just not imagine they're the same. Just like the same. I assume. I assume. Although Nolan, because Nolan's Nolan has split from studio. He 
whatever studio, like, and this is me, I know Tenet was the first movie he'd done in a different studio since all of his other ones, which that one, I think he used to be like Warner Brothers for most of those. I mean, particularly with Batman and stuff like that. Um, and then ten, there was some there was some conflict, which I think was partly uh, can't remember what what happened. But he he Tenet was the first movie he'd done with a different studio, and I think he's continuing with this one maybe. So there's been a studio difference with Nolan recently, um, and so I don't know if that puts them in the same studio or the different one. Um, it's Warner Bros. versus Universal, which is so is is Oppenheimer's Universal. Um. Yes. Yeah. And, and, I think, and Barbie's Warner Brothers. Yep. Which I, th- I, which if I'm, I mean, I'm sure people, people, people can. Barbie somehow, like literally, like with Mattel or whatever that shit is. Ah, it's whoever's bought the rights, really, um, creative rights. But um, yeah, but I think I feel like uh, Nolan used to be Warner Brothers. I could be wrong. Um, I could be wrong, and I, I usually am. So, yeah, yeah. fuck it. We're fan. We're fans doing a podcast. So. Don't don't so, yeah he's don't, like universal now so. yeah um, so yeah it'll be interesting to see if it, you you do bring up an interesting point but that would be um, just to wrap up before we will take a quick break here in a second then we'll be back for the second half um, but it would be interesting to see if uh, if studios did try to try to manufacture it because anything that you try to manufacture like this never works as well because this is this is organic this is this is the entire thing we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes is like the organic um nature of what they've done with this phenomenon is it's it all come from fans you know it's even the fact that the names could just be somehow put together like barbenheimer it just rolls off the tongue yeah. so you know there's all these different things and it's just the fact that there's the the contrasting styles of the movies you know the memes where it's just like i'm not i'm not going to talk about some of them on the podcast because you start having to apologize for uh uh, past atrocities if you don't don't put the memes in the right context but there is memes out there where they cross over the pink with the black and white and and talk about some bad things that have happened and it's just like that stuff just doesn't happen manufactured you just can't do that people it's it's the it it's the ingenuity and the and just the 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 collective mindset of the random fans around the world that make a thing like this happen. So it would be inter- you having the idea that studios would try to do this is not wrong because as as we both are cynics about the people that have too much money and not enough sense or capitalism. And and, and a good and this is a good preview of getting into the second half of the podcast. Um, there is a lot of money involved in Hollywood that doesn't usually get spent the right way. So spending two hundred million dollars trying to manufacture a manufacture a fucking cultural phenomenon like Barbenheimer when it's not really possible is not something I'll put studios past if they think they can do it. So you know, two hundred. I just threw two hundred. I don't know how much money it would actually cost. Like how much it costs to advertise. It's not that much money. So much more probably. But, um. But yeah, no, it's 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 uh, it would be an interesting thing to see how how studios read this because there's always someone in a room, um, saying, "Hey, have you seen what happened here? Let's try to do that." And then they don't realize that you can't try to do something that was organically created. Um, and that's part well, of they'll the try if they're damnedest. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, and we'll and and we will get into the fact that Hollywood is trying to manufacture real things um in a really creepy fucking terrifying way um uh, in the second half but i think it's about time we take a break because i've had two beers i need to pee and i'm sure you do too, Me too. yeah, yeah. I'm on beer too, but... it's pint, pints popcorn and peas yeah 
All right. We'll uh we'll be back Sorry, in a moment. I should have I should have added there better. I know you would. I th- I was just like you're already on a break, aren't you? I was just like I guess I'll end it. No, I was just it. like thinking about how angry I was about like something that like we're obviously going to talk about. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, we'll take a piss and get fired up, and we'll be right back. And I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> hey, we're back for the <laughs> drum roll. Two halves, second half, <laughs> and we're back. Ah, oh, it's just like riding a bike. It's like in, it's like in the Warriors, like when they clink the bottles, but it's like pint, like with a couple pints, it's like pints and popcorn come out and play. And it's like, yeah, no, see, no, it doesn't work as well. I know you got to do like. Doesn't he do it with like he's got them between the fingers? He has three of them. Yeah, yeah. Incredible movie, by the way. Um, that'll ha- that'll happen at some point, and I'll see if I can finally get Andrea to guest on one because she loves that movie. But I don't think she will because she hates the I idea of being on a podcast. To guest on a podcast. I've told her this time and time again, but I don't think she will. But we'll we'll, we'll I'll keep wearing her down. Um. Anyway, second Welcome half. Back. It's like like I said, riding the back. All right, we're gonna get into the uh, well. It's gonna be like a it's gonna be like a the the negative positive sandwich kind of thing. We're gonna talk about some annoying shit for a while here, but then the end of this will be we're gonna talk about our top five I don't know how to describe it, just just five movies that we've watched for the first time in the last couple of years since you last listened to us that yeah, we've we're enjoyed. We're gonna have to go quick though for that, because like we've the whole pod has been long. Ah, this is what this is our MO really, so that's right. fine we just have to put time markers into it so like, yeah. if people like want to listen to us like get after capitalism for like 30 minutes then just skip ahead if you don't want to listen to that skip ahead and then but we'll if you don't if but if you don't want to listen to that then fuck you all right good yes being <laughs> abrasive towards the listeners one of our two listeners just logged off no <laughs> the one in estonia yeah we no like no look we all. we know that talking about like, some people just don't like you know just need a break from that stuff so it's fine if you want to skip ahead that's fine i was joking but you should always be you know at least thinking about and active about the injustices in our world and it is um i mean it's a fairly high profile the strike movements are always happening and 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 often we don't know about them and and uh and i think it's it's one thing that um i it really i i can't think this is this is the ironic part of it as i've already but i we were at a we were at a screening a few weeks back or a couple months back now uh for sorry to bother you um where boots riley was in boots riley was in attendance yeah another movie we've done a podcast on already um always one that i i highly recommend whenever people ask me about a movie that they may not know and they should watch i always say sorry to bother you because it's just one of those ones that's weirdly underseen um and even and even that screening we were at like the other couple of screenings have been at that cinema um have been sold out and lineups whereas sorry to bother you was half full and it had boots riley in attendance which just says all you need to know about the kind of the subversive nature of it but he he talked about it at the time because the wga was obviously already in strike at the time and he just said this is one of the biggest strike waves that's hit the country since the 70s and just you know unfortunately people don't realize the different different areas of the country that are in strike right now but the wga is kind of leads the line as far as a public facing 
uh, union that is. And then even, and it's funny, the writer's striking really didn't hit home for many film fans until, as we saw, what, maybe nine days ago now, I think was when, when yeah. yeah, when the actors, so SAG after went on strike as well as their, uh, their, their agreement with um, the AMTPA expired. And so the actors are in strike now. As we saw in a very high-profile demonstration with the uh, Oppenheimer premiere, I believe it was in London or Paris. I can't remember which, some European place. Um, and was, we, for yeah, some reason, I think it was Paris, but then I have London. It was, I, it was not London. I don't yeah, know. so Paris might be it. Anyway, the cast of Oppenheimer attended the red carpet. They actually moved the premiere up just to so like they could at least uh, get their red carpet stuff out of the way. Um, and some people saw it cynically as them promoting themselves and then walking out once their promotion of themselves were done. But the it, it actually made it more high profile that actors would leave halfway through a premiere situation. I think it actually added some gravitas to it, so to speak. You know about the whole situation. So just to just to wrap it up quickly, the the writer the writers. So for people that are listening, which there probably isn't anyone listening that wouldn't know anyway and have some idea, but the writers' union. Um, which represents the writers of cinema and all those kind of things. And then the actors union, which is the one that's really got a lot of people um, aware of the situation now, are both on strike right now. So SAG after represents 160 odd thousand actors, but, and the, and the writers union similar, but you know, SAG, a lot of the cynics in SAG uh, that don't understand the SAG situation go, well, they make a lot of money anyway. 87, I think it's 87% of members of SAG after a, don't even make enough to qualify for um, health insurance. insurance. Yeah. So it's it's like it's like twenty six thousand dollars or something like that. So most, so we're essentially saying eighty seven. Imagine trying to live on twenty six thousand dollars a year with no health insurance. No, just twenty like beyond health insurance. Like, no, but when when you add that into it, that's like especially particularly in America, that's a significant you know thing to try to because like, then obviously you're... like a bunch of actors and stuff like have side jobs and stuff, but. Mm. Imagine trying to live on that. 20 yeah. So I don't want to get too far down the weeds on that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, that there there is that aspect of it too, though, that we were talking about something that is of a wider. Um, and this is something that when I brought up Boots Riley before, he's really he's really actively tweeting and and trying to share about it and saying this is something that cannot define both our industry as well as strike movements around the country because you can. You, if you start pushing for something with, you know, unions can support each other, even if they're completely different industries, you can at least be supportive of each other. And, and what you go for and what you push for can can define what another union in a completely different industry, because you can, it's kind of like, you're, yeah, it, it, or, you know, the the right wingers will say, it would tell you a trickle down economics. Well, it, it actually, the, the real thing that works is actual, actual action um, defining others' actions. And and the, the thing that can actually happen and trickle, the actually thing that can trickle down is unions, um, you know, defining what other unions can ask for and defining what the workers and the le- workers' rights and the rights of um, hardworking people um, in any, any industry can be. And that's what is so important about this to a wider point um, beyond we'll get into the the film stuff in a second and what we, and which is the main point. But just to make a quick point on it, it is really important to see um these two unions that represent something that's so high profile uh, really push forward and, and not give in to, you know, any demands because we need to see union movements work um, to, def- you know, to help out unions around the country that do get quashed and, and, and you know, the union union squashing movements that happen around by the evil 
evil evil people around the country that run these places. You know, we don't have. Um, I, I I never want to be sponsored by Starbucks. I also have Starbucks is one of the big ones. Um, you know, they they will happily squat. They you know, your Starbucks unions trying to move around in the country is one of the biggest things over the past few years, and there's plenty of union busting stuff that happens there. So we need to see stuff like this work um, to help out the others around the country. Absolutely. As the uh, son of somebody who was in a union for 37 years, like, um, yeah, unions matter. And yeah, the fact that people don't understand what a union is or don't understand, like, why they exist and then are therefore against them is so off-putting. Like, I'll just put this new story that's in the news um I'm, I'm sure you've seen it david but the union the sag whether it was sag or the writers guild um were picketing outside of somewhere in la and they had shade and the people the ceos of that corporation cut all the limbs off trees illegally mm-hmm. To trim trees, you have to get an ordinance with the city to trim it's trees. The same in Australia. Like we have, we deal with that shit as well. Yeah. They cut all the limbs off trees so the people that were striking and protesting in the streets would not have shade. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have to be careful with my words, but <laughs> I just don't see how you can look at that and see how there's a good guy and a bad guy and not being on the side of the good guy. I, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. No, I, I understand I, your point. It's just like how, like, because there is, you know, and there's certain, you know, Facebook groups I'm in with film and stuff. I just join groups because I like seeing people talk about different things and and whether I don't We're participate. All about the discourse. Yeah. Um I don't participate too much, but I, I it has been interesting seeing um some of the people in these groups telling themselves in their, and how supportive they are of the conglomerates and <laughs> so to speak. And and you just sit there and go, you're you're more supportive of the person that can because this is the other you're talking about that. There was also that unnamed source or whatever it was that came out. There was a big story just before the sa- the, the um, actors struck um, regarding the WGA strike in particular, that there was some unnamed executive that said they were they were more than happy to wait out the riders until they're starting to lose their homes. There was a deadline story I think it came from, but I'm sure it's, it's been quoted everywhere else as well, but I think it was originally deadline. But um, and a lot of people, a lot of riders, a lot of and a lot of people in the in the in the WGA shared it and just said this is this is exactly why we need to be doing what we're doing because this is what they think of us. They they would rather see us starve and out of our homes um, than than come to a deal and that than their expectations. And I think uh, what I hear is um, in reading is that since, since SAG after have struck as well is that AM, the AMTPA is and I hope I've got the acronym right. Anyway, I was correct it in the notes afterwards. Um, that they're kind of in a similar, like they just haven't come to the bargaining table since the strike's begun because they're just kind of hoping that it, it'll all just, they'll have to come to the table because they're running out of money rather than the other way around. And that kind of just speaks to the levels we're talking about is that we're talking about companies, studios that have enough money to talk about just not coming to the bargaining table, whereas you've got the people that are actually... um you know, struggling to make ends meet. Even the top, you know, the top level actors are a very small part of it. They're the tip of an iceberg. 
the majority, the vast, vast majority, like I said, 87 towards 90%. I can't, I can't remember the exact number, but 87s in my head from something I read um, of sag after are people that are really struggling to make ends meet. And that's what is ridiculous about the people that are cynics about this and saying, oh, the actors that are on the picket lines are just performance actors and it's somewhat ironic. Um, but no, they're, they're trying to support, they're, they're doing what you are. People always ask for the people, the people at the front of industries to support the people that are at the bottom and this is what they're doing so don't diss it it's it's a good thing that they're uh you know yes they're going to be fine they've got you know well they've got wealth to last them a lifetime some of them are getting towards generational wealth now they're going to be fine what they're doing is supporting the vast majority of the people that make the industry actually run that's what's happening um and it's the same with the writers industry you know you know christopher nolan who's um both a director and a writer and the director's guild could have done better in this whole thing but anyway um but he's a writer as well. he's part of the wga you know he's he's going to be fine but there's a lot of writers that are staffs and tv shows or a part of writers rooms and stuff like that that make a living barely and they're and they're that and they're um you, you know see residuals sorry i can't say yeah. that. i've never been able to say that word people will say it's the pints <laughs> Maybe I need some more popcorn. I don't know. I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, I, no, you're right. That's actually like because I was probably going to start like losing my train of thought. But we do need to get into the the some of the issues that they're they're talking just, about as well. Which one of them is residuals? Because the industry has changed, and we were talking about streaming off air, and this is probably a good time to bring it up. Is like streaming has changed things, and residuals is a big part of it. I just want to like yes, that's a good point, and we will talk about that. I just want to say, like, and I know, like, none of those people are probably listening to this, but it, I just want to, like, say to, like, those writers and, like, people on the picket line, it's like, like you guys matter and your work matters. Like, it's so frustrating to be, like, just caught up in, like, this bullshit fucking, like, it feels like a tornado or, like, whatever, like, of content and just, like, you're adding to it you're creating it and they just like take it away Mm -hmm. and then it's and then it's theirs and it's not you and like you just put all of yourself into that and like you get none of the credit for it so it's just like like to be caught up in that like cyclone of bullshit and like especially now like with what's going on like man i just hope like if anybody who's dealt with that who's listening to this like knows that like people know how fucked up that is and like mm. not everybody know like but like you know there are people who really like uh, yeah i mean the positive side of me likes to think that the the majority of the country and and to be fair if i if i you know this is very it's not much of a poll or anything but if i go on like i said there's some of those people in those groups that are posting like what are these actors doing but then most of the comments and reply are like you fucking idiot this is why they're doing it like luckily most of the comments are people supportive of the strike actions and stuff like that so i take that as a very small very inaccurate poll for myself that i I at least hope that most and i do think that most people kind of like you know not getting into election stuff or anything but you know we we see in every election most people do actually vote one way it's just systems mean that things happen the other way sometimes um but same with this is like i think most of the country is supportive of this kind of stuff there's always going to be loud mouths that make it sound like the other side is louder than it actually is or or bigger than it actually is they they just you know 
It's a Dunning Kruger effect. The the less you know, the less you know, the more you, more louder you shout like you do. It's a very it's a very bad way of explaining Dunning Kruger effect. But that's sometimes the way it works. Is like <laughs> if you don't know anything about it, the sh- louder the louder you're going to shout that you think you do. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and that's it what yeah comes down to that that exact saying like, hey, we're going to like force like that was the worst thing that could have ever happened for the studios is that dipshit unnamed source who said we're going to try to get them out of their homes and stuff. Mm. And it's like, I remember seeing like some writer like posting the Bane, Bane meme. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 yeah. You're, yeah, you're we just were... adapted to the darkness. I was born in the darkness. It's like, I yeah. Born in the darkness. Writers, I'm not really a writer, but like, I we know. would like to. We would like to be sometime. Yeah, and we have. And... Yeah, <laughs> but we. Yeah, you know, you know what it's like to be poor, mm-hmm. and you know what it's like, like, it's, like, especially like when a gigantic corporation is trying to cut off the meager funds that they want to give you, dude. Guess what? We know what it's like to be poor because of you guys. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's like it's like, it's like and most writers started from you know eating probably cup of noodles and stuff in a in a tiny apartment and trying to make it work. Taylor Sheridan, who's got a massive empire, like if you there's a really good um Great a couple a, a couple of plugs, like there's a guy called Jeff Goldsmith who does uh God, what's the what's the podcast called? It's it's a it's a um uh, the Q and A with Jeff Goldsmith. I think it is literally what it's called, and he does like screenings in LA and he will have, like, and it's usually any interviews around. Like he does, it, it's a, he has a magazine as well, but he's so one of his podcasts from probably four or five years ago now, I think was after, I think it was probably after Hell or High Water. So it's a while ago or, or, or it was Wind River. Oh, one of, by the way, yeah. I don't think we've done it yet, but we will at some point. We actually have done it. Classic. No, 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 no. This is, I should have, I should have been quicker and not paused and let you, we've done it. It never got released, because oh, yeah. it was when we were starting, and then and then I lost the file, so that's my bad. So we're gonna have no, to redo I, it. I we're gonna we can do it better well, now. Honestly. Yeah, no, we're we're gonna have to redo it because I've we've got a few I years. I was in the dark, and it's in, and, <laughs> and it's a good good excuse to talk about it again. But it's um, an amazing film. Taylor yeah. Sheridan's amazing. Yeah, but he talks about on that podcast. I'll send you the link afterwards, and I'll put it in the show notes of this episode as well. Um, it's a great interview because Taylor Sheridan is very. He's very Taylor, like Taylor Sheridan's his own person, but he's very, um, like, you know, forthcoming in his own personal story. And he talks about, like, I think he asked him at one point, he's like, what was your motivation for writing this? He's, he's just like, well, I just had a baby. My wife was like crying at the door about where the money's going to fucking come from. So I had to write, I just had to get it done. Like, he's just like, we had no AC. We were in, living in LA. Like, I had to fucking write. Like, they were talking about Sicario, obviously. I think even Sicar- yeah, Sicar- from the, our last pod. Yeah. That's how I remember we did it. Yeah. Because I don't remember us doing that before. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. So, and that's even Sic- Sicario didn't make him a lot of money either. That's a, and that's a, a, the crux of like a writer's deal is like, you know, writing a movie, like to me, writing a movie like Sicario should at least set you up a little bit. And I know you probably got a decent amount out of the script for that, but he still had to. LA is an expensive city. <laughs> I know he's got his, and he's made a fair bit of money since then. He's got his empire of TV shows and stuff like that. But at a certain point, Taylor Sheridan was living by the edge of his means. And, you know, that's what all right. And, you know, that's just my example is like all writers started in the dark to bring it back to your Bane thing. And all these 
all these studio execs that most of them probably, you know, were, you know, there's guys, there's guys that have moved up in that industry, but by and large, they're, they're, they're generational wealth people. And, um, you know, I mean, they, yeah, yeah, they, you, you're fighting a system. You're, you're, you're trying to, I mean, I, sometimes I wish we were, it was more like France over here. Cause can you imagine <laughs> like you know, the French get like the 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 uh it, what was it their their retirement age lifted and they start fucking lighting fires, you know we've yeah, got we've got a- we've got that we've got one of the biggest industries in in the, one of the biggest states in the country, and and something that defines the American experience basically is the movie industry was somewhat created you know the movie industry is a worldwide thing but the 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 Hollywood movie industry is is quintessentially American and is the most successful industry around the world. Not, not any description. I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. That's that's on my yeah. I hear that one's actually it, it's that's that'll be an interesting one to do for the podcast at some point because I loved it. It got it got interestingly received. I like, I like movies though. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think that's why I'm going to like it too. Andrea loved it by the way. She she went and saw it and loved it. So, uh, me, Andre, of course, it, loved it. Of course. Yeah, we need to. We, but sure. but here's the thing: we need to do an episode with you and her with "Promising Young Woman." That that'll be the interesting one. I love "Promising Young Woman," and it was going to be one of the films that I was about to select. Oh, that's a good segue. But anyway, she didn't like it as much as you did. Which is we've talked uh, about. Well, we've, then I'm not selecting it anymore because uh, no, no, you've got it. You, you've got to select unless you've got like a anyway. No, I better. I, no, yeah. I better. Anyway, no, not better. But I beyond, like that, I like that film a lot. Personally. Yeah. Yeah, no, and yeah, but I'm actually, also not a woman in America. Yeah, right. I mean, honestly, so it's like whatever. It's an know. interesting discussion. Um. Anyway, so we we you know we we to get into just uh, some not of things. Laughing about what that movie is about. Oh, right? No, 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 no. Just laughing about us going. Just us being. Yeah. Hey, goddamn whiskey sours. <sighs> um, but some of the issues, one. one of the major issues that is coming out of the strike thing, anyway, to get back on topic somewhat, um, is the issue of AI and and some of the things that are going to affect the future industry. Um, and it is quite scary uh, to think about what because there's been some stuff come out about actually what the studios were proposing, which was, hey, you come in for a day, we scan your likeness, we scan your voice. And then you disappear and you get maybe and you either get paid for the day, I think was possible. Yeah, or per dollar. And and it's just like just a stupidly minuscule amount to basically have your likeness in a computer to be used in perpetuity, basically. And this is one of the major things that I don't hear see talked about enough is like because people are talking about residual like residuals is a big thing. Um, healthcare is a massive thing, and and, and healthcare is equally as important, but AI uh, changes if if the AMTP got, got AI the through the way that they want to, legitimately, fundamentally, completely destroys and changes the industry. It becomes it beca- to me it becomes the matrix, in in a way. And I know I'm being I'm I, I am being deliberately somewhat dramatic about it, but it does become. A fact, it becomes Hollywood changes from being a set of studios where people are coming in and out and and door and gates with a security guard checking credentials to a bunch of computer banks storing likenesses. And this is like this is obviously going down the future and and the worst case scenario. But because I do also believe there's always going to be a Hollywood industry with act, but 
you can't replicate. And I'll actually, I'll, I'll make a point about this when I talk about one of the movies I'm talking, I will talk about in F5. You can't replicate real. There's no way AI, as good as it is, CGI, as good as it is, if you have the top studio with the best people doing CGI, you can't replicate the real. You can't replicate the, the movements of whether it be, you know, we talk about the first movie we podcasted about Leo DiCaprio and uh, Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. You can have that. You could have time in Hollywood, by the way. I would like Dave, David fucked up on that one. Not I did. Me. I am talking. Not me. I did not fuck up on that one. So. Find some popcorn. Hey, Once Upon a Time in Mexico is a fucking fun movie, but it's not the it's classic. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's that's not. Fun. It's not quite that's the. A, it's a whole fight. Yeah, but yeah, it's not. It's desperado. Um, it's all tied together, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Loosely, but oh, yeah, there is, there is, there is, there is the flashbacks to El Mariachi. A, a, a tragic, yeah, El Mariachi, Desperado, and uh, and uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, obviously, what I was talking about. If you'd taken scans of a young Leo and a long, young young Brad Pitt, a young Brad Pitt, young. give them to me old. Yeah, and how does AI? So if those guys had just disappeared into, the, and then they somehow just made a career out of the AI, like. You know, I could be just talking stupidly about how my understanding of it, it works, but that's what the, the fear is, that they're just going to take the likenesses and, and create a whole history of, you know, this is the worst case scenario. And that's the thing, if you couldn't get Brad Pitt and Leo for a movie, and then you just go, well, we've got your likeness signed off anyway, we're going to use them, you're not going to get those, Brad Pitt's not winning an Oscar for that movie if it's AI Brad Pitt, you know what I mean? And again, this is this is... Blade Runner worst case scenario kind of stuff. And the AI Matrix in the movie too. Yeah, like, exactly. What are we doing? It's like we, we're like, I don't don't, know. don't let their foot in the don't let the AI foot in the door is the point for me because as soon as you let the foot in the door, it's just it just opens up a can of worms. I've been talking about oh you have for years. I've been talking about robots for years, and nobody listened to me, and that's fine. I get it. I'm not that credible. <laughs> I've been saying this is going to be bad. Mm. Like this is going to suck. Like, and we're and like we're there. Like, and that's like, what, that's what that's what like if you're listening to this and you don't think AI can affect your job, guess what? You're wrong. Mm-hmm. So just like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to be a downer or anything. Like, it's just a warning shot. It's very, it's very apt when we're talking about this because this is one of the big things that they've come out. Like the 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 actors and the writers have been very strong on this. Both uh, both unions have been very strong. That one of their real concerns beyond like obviously residuals have become a major issue and as they, um, should, be. As they, as they should, should be because because when we th- when we think about you know eighties nineties television and, and the way because the last time that they had a deal come together was um uh you know. A lot, I mean, oh, wait, but like residuals even then were completely different. You know, we didn't even have Netflix streaming at that point. We had Netflix discs in 2008. So it's changed so much since then. And, th- and this is the this is one of the points is that the problem with Hollywood is is when things change, it always changes in Hollywood's favor. Of course. It never changes in the writers. It never changes in the actor's favor. You know, you know, wait. So you know. One's about just mm-hmm. going back for a second. I think you would really enjoy it. No, no, I, I, I need it's. It's been on my list of just. I just haven't had. I, it hasn't popped up on any of the streamers we have here yet. So for me to watch, and, and probably won't. Yeah, like people like didn't really like it, but like, I think it was misunderstood from how I hear it. Um, but there's a lot I, of pe- there's a lot of people that I respect, including 
including right. including yourself and my wife and as well as some film critics that i do uh taken just to, i don't i never let a critic um influence me but i do have critics i i respect I more than others and uh and there's a lot of people that i know and re- like are, or know of that and respect that like that loved it actually didn't just like it they loved it i loved of, it like i loved yeah. it like i watched it on christmas though so it's like you get all that complex emotion mm. i was obviously blasted uh <laughs> but it's, Christ- dad- it's christmas what else are you gonna do yeah, dude, in Lincoln, Nebraska, let's talk about it. Um, but <laughs> but dad liked it a lot too. Yeah, next to his drunk ass son, he was just like, Yeah, I thought it was good, you know. Hmm. I think, I think it could, there's parts that could have been cut for sure, but mm-hmm. I think what that and again, we're fans, not experts. Like, I can't think of the director's name. But I think he could have cut it in certain places. Uh, is it Damien Chazelle? It's the it's the guy that did Whiplash and yeah. La La Land. Yeah, he did La La Land. Yeah, yeah, and Whiplash. So I think he did, and I know we're going way up topic here, but here we go. I think he did Babylon after like everybody like saying La La Land was like such a suck up to Hollywood. I think mm-hmm. he made Babylon, and if you view it through this lens too then you would completely get it. That's an interesting... Yeah, okay. Having not seen it yet. I think it's a critique of Hollywood. Mm. Because it starts... It starts silent movie era, you know? So, it like, I think that movie's... If you like film, I think Babylon is really good. Yeah, and I I think that's where I... I, I, To to build off your point, like, there is a lot of people that like that that beyond a surface level of enjoying cinema really, you know, I, I like going to the movies is not enjoying cinema. Go, enjoying cinema is actually understanding the history of it and, and enjoying things that are outside of, you know, if you enjoy certain sections of cinema, it's enjoying a genre. If you enjoy actually cinema and, and things that push your boundaries, that's actually enjoying cinema. And, and I think that's what I see a lot of people um, that enjoy Babylon without having seen it myself are people that, that are approachable to being, um, pushed beyond uh, what they're comfortable with is generally, and and you know people, and there's surely there's going to be a lot of people that actually don't uh, are not super adventurous with their taste that probably enjoyed Babylon as well. But the people that I, don't I think, think, so. I, think I think that's I think that's where some of the criticism come from is like people just you no, know I know that's where it came from, yeah. But it's also like I don't give a flying fuck about those people. I like I love film. Let's find like, some popcorn, baby. Whatever. I'm about to cry on the podcast, so. It's fine. <laughs> like I like that movie a lot. Shay tears. <laughs> yeah, it's a new one. It, it happens. No, 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 that's that's good though. Like cinema is an emotional thing. So, like I, I do think. Nah, I don't want to tell you because you haven't seen. No, it. no, yeah, no, don't, don't, I don't, don't fucking spoil it for me. No, but none there's of that. a moment in it where I'm just like, nah, no, I'm not even gonna say that. No, no. Anyway. Whatever. Yeah. To get back on track, we let's we, go to our top five. Let's go to our top five. Yeah. Let's oh no no, more. just I just wanted to wrap because we we were halfway through it. But the like just to wrap it up, the AI thing should concern people, and this is why I think this is um you know I think the WGNs and the actors have a lot of issues on the table. There's like I said residuals, there's healthcare, there's all these different things on the table that usually come to the table when it comes to strike actions as far as the rights for the workers and stuff like that. One of the very unique things to their industry that has has come to the forefront 
before it has come to a lot of hours, but it will come to a lot of industries in the future AI. It's, I mean, think about supermarket checkouts. It's already there to a certain extent, but the WGA and the and SAG and, I actually and, like that, but that's a whole different story. I know, I know, I know we've talked about that. Like, they still can hire teens to like stock shelves and stuff. Like they're yeah, yeah. We'll they, talk they, about they, that yeah. But the fact is there is there's a very real concern there that and that's one of the main things that's been raised in the news afterwards and and i think you just think people that are listening to this podcast a few of you out there thank you love you love you um, guys yeah. i love you guys more than i love myself which is the bare minimum but i was going to say I don't, I don't know if that's a compliment at all <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think it's just one of those main things to look at and i don't want to speak on it too much more because we'll get to the positive of talking about some movies here before we finish but um i think it's just something to that you should all be aware of is like the ai ai issue with actors is, is and and writers is very real and it's and it should concern you in the fact that if they if, if 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 studios can come to the actors and 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 without us without a sense of even any remorse go hey we're going to scan you and, and like do this that was a very real proposal then you should worry we should all be worried about just where this is going and and, and even just beyond that just for in whether whether it be your representatives and stuff just be keeping an eye on anything that comes out as far as laws and anything based on ai like just just keep an eye on it because it, it's i'm not an alarmist i don't you know i think there's certain there's great things about like where's where doing a podcast with me with a fucking fancy background um the you know background. on the other side of the country to each other so there's great benefits to technology the it's other not... side of the country by the way yeah it... mentioned finally yeah fucking yeah not 16 hours apart we're just three hours apart now um still hard yeah so i hope but a guys... little a little bit easier um it doesn't feel so bad drinking beer at like two in the afternoon while you're at five rather than one of us in the morning and one of us in the middle of the night or something like that um we made it work but yeah it, it's just something to just yeah it's i always encourage people to just you know even if you're not interested in news or history or anything like just just at least keep an ear out for it because because if you're a voter then 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 all these things are all these little things that happen throughout history you know you might not think it matters now but then you know a few years down the track because ai like you said you've been talking about robots for years and ai and artificial intelligence and and shit terminator came out in fucking 1984 we're almost 40 years removed yeah, from that goddamn movie and we're almost 40 years removed from that goddamn movie and now we're, and now the actors and writers are striking because one of the major things is they didn't want to be replaced by robots so keep it That's... in the back keep it in the back of your mind it's not to be scared about it because the, the the future of the world can be good if if you keep an eye on things and make sure you work out your votes and your actions the right way am i hopeful no but you can be <laughs> anyway Let's talk about just some look fucking. Out. Just look out. Just look out for yourself, kids. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know? I believe right. in you. You like you're smart people. Like fucking exactly every every generation. Know that, yeah. like it's coming for you and it sucks. So fight back against it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Five your rights to party. No. This podcast is already fought <laughs> for its right to party. <laughs> and we won and it was bad <laughs> and we and no but we that, yet we continue to party so that's a thing um all right yeah. so so to finish to finish but off that's a thing from the podcast <laughs> that's bad. cut that's a thing from the podcast make that a shirt that's theory. a theory 
Siri, AI, <laughs> Don't say that. My fuck, my fucking phone just lit up. You dick. God oh, damn. I was making a joke about AI. Yeah, and I, and, and I don't want my phone killing me right now. So anyway, movies. All right, so we. I proposed this thing to Shay as a like a way to finish this opening podcast of us just getting back into talking film, which I think has gone. I actually think it's gone very well. Like I, I just I needed to find my I needed to find my rhythm again doing this, and this is what this this entire intro back into it was. Um, and to finish off because I didn't want to finish off on talking about the strike stuff because you, you no, don't want you don't want to leave you want to leave people with a little bit of happiness. You leave um, on a on a make. You know? Yeah. So I I hooper, sent if you're a hooper you leave on a make. Yeah. If you're a it's a war a like war boats, who i assume listens to us like you leave on the perfect stitch i don't know like <laughs> i don't know man wait who who were you talking about a perfect you stitch know, like like a culture you leave on the perfect stitch you're like oh that one felt right and you're like all right i'm done for the night i was just trying to like i'm always is that a saying, thing well, i don't know i was just trying to say like, what what else are people into other than the sports, this is <laughs> well. Hey, I... You've lost me. <laughs> All right, good. I'll the explain. perfect stitch. The perfect stitch. The perfect stitch. You I'm gonna like... that. That's gonna be a shirt at some point, and I, I don't. I'm gonna somehow make stitches out of film rules and cut and it's this gonna, out, gonna thing. Dave. Cut it out. Cut Look. this out. That's like the third time you've said that this podcast. <laughs> I know you're. And none of it's going to get cut you're out. Our producer, I'm calling you Dave, not David. When you're our producer, producer is a, lo- a loose term because I don't, I don't cut anything out. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> and yet you're still coming back. We're <laughs> <laughs> like trying to like, I don't know what other people's hobbies are. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like, I I don't know how to make analogies for like, because we because we're talking about walk off home runs, like walk off touchdowns. Let's talk about film. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was trying to get to. All right, so I sent this idea to you, and it was just like uh, five films that we've either we've discovered in the last couple of years since we last recorded. So it's not that they may not have come out in the last couple of years; they most of mine have. That's just the way. Did all of them within the past? Since yeah. Well, so that means there's what it is, and they're all known films. But it is what. No, and that's and that's great. That was actually that was the original that was actually the original point that I was going to do, and then you asked, could it be something? And then and then I found one that I I discovered, and that's from 1980, I think. Um, so yeah, you actually put me onto that. But it, our, most of my thing was the fact that just the five movies we've seen in the last couple of years, which was is always going to be dominated by recency bias, which is fine because there's been a lot of good movies in the last couple of years. It's hard to um rolling in your in the old noggin. Yeah, and and to be fair, like. You know, I think we're gonna have. I, I think there's gonna be one crossover. This is gonna be interesting to see, though. I'm gonna let you go first, and yeah. then we'll off, and then we'll offset as we go. And then if you it's say one, it's not no. a trap, but no, no, gonna... but 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 if 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 you say one or I say one, that is is one yeah. that we've yeah. It, we, we we then we'll talk about it together and say I had this one in mind, and we'll talk about it rather than doubling up. You know, right. so all right, first. you go you go first. All right, first pick because I know it's on the board. Because nobody's taken it yet. Um, I'm taking Banshees of Inisher. That was that was mine there too. So there we go. All right. So that's the one. That's the, the crossover I was talking about. Number one pick. 
how, <laughs> how well do we know each other? The fact that I was yeah, like the one yeah, with, and that's the first one that we go with. So that's that's one. So that's gonna mean it's already down to nine films for the the total. But that's that's fine too because really did not win any awards. It didn't win enough for the film. It is as unique and and so this is my thing when I was thinking about it. And anyone that's an OG listener that listened to our original runner podcasts. Well, no, uh, if you particularly if you listen to the Fargo podcast, um, we talked a lot. I remember doing that one either, so that's good. Yeah. Well, you and I talked a lot about in that movie about um, verbal conflict and how engaging that can be if it's if it's written well and acted well and filmed well as well. There's, there's three different things that come into it. You know, you can have two people in front of a camera talking and, and it can be boring as hell. Or it can be great. And in Fargo, you know, you had Francis McDormand and William H. Macy in a in a cafe. On on the on the surface level, having an amicable conversation, but below the surface was something very real and 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 you know, Francis McDormand's a little okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> right. just, just, just just a little like the, just the acting that and and everything about it and it made it so engaging. And the banshees have been knowing a, though. Her knowing yes, everything exactly. by just saying okay, yeah. Yeah. And that whole movie, yeah. And it's just like Colin Farrell like coming to terms with himself of like, mm-hmm. of like maybe I'm not like and I think like that's like man's great struggle which I think like you know I, I, we uh, that's the old English thing is like you know, we're gonna, we're, I'm I'm sure this is going to be a movie we do a full episode on at some point so oh absolutely it's yeah. incredible it's an incredible <laughs> film um I think like as a um i'm missing the word right now but it's obviously martin mcdowell's like commentary on the irish civil war Mm -hmm. like incredible like the way that he presents it like with a fictional island off ireland that actually exists like it's just like it's like when colin farrell like is looking at them fighting from across Mm -hmm. um the channel him saying like good luck boys like whatever you're fighting for good luck and it's mm-hmm. just like fuck man like i don't know it just has everything and like i know people like think it's slow or whatever but like i think i think it's like a the perfect like i don't know he encapsulated the irish civil war in a artistic way that i don't think anybody else ever could have done in a way that is not a yeah it in a way that is not a war film at all in the whatsoever yeah because there's some great movies out there um about different like parts of that era of ireland like the wind that shakes the barley and movies like that but for this movie to just be an allegory for it but then have so much about just in in, in, yeah just just even just relationships beyond um the greater notion of of the civil war just relationships between people um you know i'm i'm missing the actress's name right now we'll get it for the full podcast but the one that plays his sister is just wonderful and and so yes yeah just wonderful but yeah colin farrell and and, as well yeah i was really i was really yeah yeah. and obviously barry Barry keegan in that uh that just heartbreaking role um there's so much and it's one of those movies that just He's so good more, in everything he does. I sent you. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, do the we'll do the killing of a sacred deer at some point as well. And he's and one of his first breakout roles, I think, 
if I'm thinking. Well, you also this. had a. I said you were wrecked, hungover one day, and I don't blame you because you know we're cut from the same cloth. That's why we're brothers. Yeah. But um, I sent you a, a scene that was um cut from the latest Batman film, which I don't think you would have selected in your top five. All right, all right, I fucked up. <laughs> all right, I fucked up. Not the first time on this podcast. Wait, is that in your top five as well? No, not at all. Was it in yours? It is. I'll, I'll bring it up next now that we've gone into it. But no, no, um, no, 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 I want one. I want one on your list. I no, I don't. I, I didn't do mine in order. I just did mine in the. Yeah. I didn't do I mine in order. One in order because that's the one I wanted. I yeah, wanted- well, that, and that's and that's great as well. Um, and look. Banshees, just to close off on it, because we don't want to get into it too much, because we'll do episodes. I think all these movies will probably get an episode at some point. Actually, no, no they all won't, because I know there's one in here that... There's a cut. I'm going to... I I chose some deliberately, because I knew they wouldn't uh, be on yours. Uh, but Banshees was one of the most beautiful films I've watched in the last couple of years. Beautifully uh, uh, choreographed, as far as the cinematography goes, uh, written, and Martin McDowell's just... Uh, sorry, Martin McDowell. Martin McDonough um, is a fantastic writer is, and, and coming that from a state... That was my bad. I said that earlier. I I knew it was wrong when I said it, and it was just like, fuck. It's but... fine. I, I saw Martin McDowell in a movie in cinemas recently, so um, so he's all bye-bye. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's such a beautiful film. And if you haven't seen it already, see it. So then you can be prepared for when we can do an episode on it. It deserves sure... more than they got at the Academy. Yeah, it did. It got beaten out by some films that just had some hype, but I, I think um, Banshees is one of the best films of the last few years. So that's just how the, how the awards go. All right. So I guess I should talk about it now since we've already brought it up. Um, the Batman. This is one of my... I, I didn't pick all films that I, that, uh, the, I think are the best films I saw. I just... Ones that resonated with me in a certain way. And the Batman, when I saw that, like, so this is the Robert Pattinson. Um, I can't even think, I haven't even got the director. This is how off the cuff we've done this. I don't have director's names or anything like that. I'm just going off. This is all vibes, this episode of the podcast. Um, but me, the Batman character has an interesting cinema history Matt and the fact. Reeves, if you there will. we go. Matt Reeves. Yeah. Um, you know, the Batman has an interesting Some cinema. Guy I used to buy whippets from. Just <laughs> kidding. I have a job. Like a real human being. <laughs> um, whatever. <laughs> it's uh, but the Batman has an interesting cinema history with you know starting from uh, what was it Val Val Kilmer? Oh, who was the who? Who was the first? Yeah, like we just. No, oh, so yeah, sorry, Michael Keaton. Come um, on, man! You're I'm... the guy that's supposed to keep this thing afloat right now, and I'm like, uh, yeah, you're struggling. Valkyrie you're the was... Batman. I'm Robin. Val right Kilmer was the better. Val Kilmer was a better Batman. Val Kilmer is a terrible Batman. I just I'm love Batman. Val Kilmer. So I'm no, I my so I grew up not having seen many of the original. I didn't see many of the original Batman. Like my fan, like the just, two that had Michael Keaton. Yeah, so. didn't yeah. So we didn't grow up in those ones, right? So those are big ones. Though. Yeah, but in Australia, like my family just didn't watch them much. So I saw them as an adult. At the same time as I saw the Nolan one, so it's not I'm not I'm not making criticism about who's better. It's just like my introduction to Batman was 
the Nolan movies more than and no and to be fair like I saw Batman and Robin like movies. Batman and Robin like the the complete disaster apparently that it was before I, I saw it. anything yeah and I liked it too because I was I was fucking nine when I saw that movie so I'd seen that one before I saw the other one so I thought that one was cool and then I grew up and heard that one was bad and these other ones are good but because I have the nostalgic nine-year-old memories I'm like I liked Arnold Schwarzenegger all covered in ice like whatever like sue me um so i have an interesting history myself with the batman character but the batman character has an interesting history in cinema probably unique to many other superheroes because it's been through so many great eras like yeah and because the obviously that um as i mistakenly said the uh the michael keaton and and it's funny because michael keaton's back in cinema as batman in the moment at the moment in the flash which um i haven't seen and don't plan to at any point to be honest because yeah I'm 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 done on too many superhero movies, but right saying like, it's wild, saying like, that about that yeah, but saying it's that like so we've gone through Michael Keaton. Sorry, I just want to try to get through this point. Um, cool. We've gone through Michael Keaton in that era, and then we went through Christian Bale and all that, and then that brief period with Ben Affleck in the um in the DC universe there, and then and then we got to Ma- recognize it. Didn't yeah. watch it. But apparently he's actually not bad. But anyway, Matt. But, but then we get to we, then we get to the Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson Batman. And I remember when this got announced, and it was like Robert Pattinson's going to be Batman. Like what the fuck? But then we get this movie that is this beautiful noir detective story, grounded that doesn't. He's not like. He's just. It was just it changed things again for that character, and I think it's just such an interesting thing for his cinematic journey as a character um, that. We've seen this character go through so many different things, and I honestly think it's whether it's the most rewatchable Batman, I don't know, but whether it's the best Batman, I am willing to have that discussion because I think that movie grounded it in such a way that is so real, and and the music and the th- vibes of it, like that rip that Nirvana song that just repeats throughout the movie as rain slow, yeah. yeah something and, and then the score is just it's so simple yeah it's so effective and and i just remember coming out of that because mo- i went to that movie having already seen that the reviews were decent and i was just like okay cool like i'm looking forward to this but i came out of it just and it's stuck in my mind and it has since then and i just haven't forgotten right. about it and i think that's what this section of the podcast i wanted to do was like movies that stuck with me over the last two years really because i've only seen it twice still but it just sticks with me the thought like the 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 feeling i had watching it and 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 had there was a certain human element to the character that was absent from a lot of the more classic superhero things like there was a there was a without getting they didn't get too much into his character like obviously we know the history of bruce wayne and all that stuff but there was still a there was still a scarred scarred nature to the robert pattinson's performance in that movie that really and i think it's just it comes down to robert pattinson actually being a really good actor that and i'm sure we'll do some of his movies in the future which is um hey good for him after being he was a twilight guy for so long that he's actually proved himself as an incredible actor and very many time is something we should probably do i think we've already talked about it a little bit but um we briefly discussed it when we did uncut gems but yeah which people say good time is better than Uncut Gems. Are good just times, in, good times, incredible. I mean, it's up there. I mean, mm. with Uncut Gems, I mean, you want Uncut Gems has a certain gravitas to it that um is hard to fight with, but yes. yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, my one thing on that film is um, 
that scene where he walks through almost immediately in like his Batman like garb mm-hmm. and like all of the Gotham PD like hates him immediately. Like, they're just like this freak is walking through. Like that is what sold me on that immediately. I was mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm in. It's like they hate this guy because he's like this fucking like freak vigilante, but mm-hmm. like their commissioner is like cool with him so like that's what really got me yeah not film immediately which like he walks into this room like slowly like something in the way might be playing and so and he walks in and like it's just a bunch of cops like screaming at him almost yeah and he really and the really the only reason he's allowed into those rooms because he has a trusted gordon and and there's like yeah there's just one there's basically one guy and it's just like it seems so much more real than yeah then the then the then the yeah and that's what and that's why i'm so intrigued by what they do with the next because they're doing another movie and i'm and i just i think what immediately the my last point before i'll throw to you to see your next movie what sticks with me is the fact that the nolan trilogy really is something that i i loved that you know that happened through my early to mid 20s i like one of them i'll say i like one of them I like them all, and I think Batman Begins um, is on par with The Dark Knight, and then Dark Knight Rises is somewhat subpar, but it's still good. Um, so I really enjoyed them all, and I didn't expect a, a Batman movie to surpass my expectations, particularly one that comes in a completely different universe, like rewriting the story again, because you, you sometimes get tired of it. And the fact that they somehow made a movie that is so different and unique with the Batman character... I think is a is something you should commend, and so that's why that's I why agree. I had to I had to put it, and that's why it stuck with me, and that's why, without even going through my letterbox as I did to find to, to remember some of the movies I'd seen, the Batman was already in my mind because it was just like this just stuck with stuck with me as a fun cinematic experience, which is part of part of what we do this podcast for. Anyway, yeah. your next your next one. Oh, my next one. All right, I want to say that I did like the film. A lot. Yeah. Uh, no, I remember. I remember us. I remember us talking about it, and you, you, we, we were both Rachel like. Colin Farrell performance. He was in both the first two movies we listed. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say, licorice pizza. Mmm, that's an interesting one. A little PTA, um, on the crowd. I know, like a lot of people found it like creepy and stuff, but I don't like also. Like, I feel like you have to be able to tap into, like, we don't live in where that was set. Yeah. Like, I'll, you don't yeah. live in 1970s LA. You know who did? Paul Thomas Anderson. And he just posted something, and he put Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid in it, and it was just amazing. So yeah. that's, in the last two years, that's um one of my favorite films. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because so I enjoyed it and I'll I'll say that I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I have some of his other films. So, that's well, of course. and and made to, amazing films. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess we're talking we're talking a pretty high bar. Um, <laughs> I mean, he set a high bar. Yeah. We've done Magnolia on this yeah. uh, podcast. And I guess some of his movies do wander a little bit. I just found this one wandered a little bit more and maybe yeah. it's just man, maybe I was in a I, I watched it as I was between as I was finishing, uh, you know, working in Australia, and I was like yeah. starting to sort things out to come over here, and and so I watched it, and and living here, and 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 knowing the the San Fernando Valley and and just LA right. a little bit as well. So I do appreciate 
I love his films and how he, you know, shows those things. I just didn't enjoy it quite as I enjoyed it a lot. I gave it. I just. I just had a quick look at my letterbox to to remind me what I gave it. I gave it three and a half stars out of five. So I enjoyed it enough to three and a half. Like I enjoyed it a lot. It just didn't quite hit a bar for me. I don't know I what like it was, it. and it's nothing to do with. And I and I will agree with you on the um. Because people go, oh, it's just you know, sixteen, seventeen year old kid dating a twenty four, twenty five year old. I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, I think like that's that. different back then. And I'm not, I'm not even, I don't even want to address that. No, no, know? I'm just saying, like that's a, your point being that, um, it's it's okay to portray something on screen and uh, address it as some because it, it does get addressed in the movie. This is this isn't right. She, I think the, the the fucking entire subplot of it is that it is, yeah, it is, is the fact that we probably mid twenties. Yeah, so without getting into it too much, because we don't want to get cancelled, whatever. It's not like you, it, it, it was a. It, if we ever do this movie, that is a big subplot of it, and we'd have to talk about it. But um, yeah, I, I, it annoys me sometimes. Um, it, and and just and just and just, I really enjoyed it. I no, re- no, I, and, I did really enjoy it. I, visually, it's stunning as well. I, it's a movie I quite oh, I, I, and I, and I've only seen it once. I probably need to go back and revisit it because PTA's movies sometimes do need to be re- revisited for a full. Oh, they all do. Yeah. Other than the like, only the, the only movie still get it right away. <laughs> no, actually, the only movie that hit like even Boogie Nights needed a couple of watches for me. The only one that hit first time was There Will Be Blood. I just fucking was blown away the first time I watched that movie, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but um. But there yeah, will it's in uh, Masters. The Masters. The Master I haven't seen yet. That's it's on my list, but I need to see it. I know we've talked about this before, but um, yeah, I need it's to see the Master. I don't want to watch again. It just yeah. like, makes there's a. I want to come up with a word for it for this podcast because other directors have brought it up in me before. Like maybe Lars von Trier, maybe, but like other directors too. It's just well, like, great movies that you can watch like, once. I appreciate what you did, and it was beautiful. Is not the right word. It was artistic, but like I don't ever want to see what that that was again. Maybe. I can't wait. I can't wait until we have to do a Lars von Trier movie then, because I feel like oh, we need to. Dude, I would love. Oh to no, dude! I, I think Melancholia is amazing. Melancholy uh, will be a fun one. I think the House of Jack Bill will be an interesting one to do too. So. That one. Oh, that's a that's a fucking ride. Is that the one with um, Matt Dillon? Uh, yeah, Matt Dillon. Yeah. Yep. As a yep. serial killer. He's a serial killer and he. And yeah, oh, we won't get into that right now. We'll get into that when we do that podcast. Oh, nice All right, movie. my next next movie. Next flick. All right. Um, oh, which one do we do now? I'm going to I'm going to bring this one up first before I do the next one. Um, You haven't seen this movie and I don't know if you ever will, but um, I just so it'll be a quick one, but. Terrifier 2. <laughs> no, I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. This one, so this is a horror film. Um, and I think what it did for cinema and horror cinema in particular was great because the original Terrifier movie, incredibly low budget. Terrifier 2 was pretty low, but I think the first Terrifier was like $50,000. Terrifier 2 may have been $100,000, $200,000. Like still low budgets. It's a guy. Um, uh, God damn it. His name is always on my mind and now I'm uh, Demian Leone. Uh yeah. out of out of the East Coast. He's a he's a guy that grew up on horror movies, grew up learning how to do makeup, special effects, all those things. 
um, having watched the, you know, te- and so Terra, the first Terrifier, Andrea and I discovered on, um, like, I think Shudder possibly, like Shudder's a horror-specific um, uh, streaming service. We discovered it in Australia a few years ago, and we watched it and loved it, and it has some incredibly gruesome special effects. Acting is fine, actually. That's, yeah, I think it's pretty good for it. I think it's, for a low-budget movie, it's better than a lot of movies that get $10, 20000000 million budget. So, to be fair... And I had I had a couple of decently known actors, like Jenna Cannell was in it. She was good in it. Um, has a woman getting split in half with a hacksaw. Like it is, is brutal. But so th- that movie, and but the the character Art the Clown, which is just a character that never makes any sound, and and Dav- David Hall- Howard, though. yeah, David Howard Thornton acts it incredibly. He's basically a sadistic mime in, in a way, dressed in this black and white black clown and suit. White. And yeah, play. and his acting performance is incredible because he does this great smile. He la- he laughs without making any sound. Then when he does his evil, like he does his, I'm going to kill you stare. It, it, like his his face dry, and he turns into a completely different person. It's an incredible for performance, and the fact he's just like Leon found these people just just randomly. Like he just found this guy that just was perfect, like better than anyone he could have probably found for a lot more money. This guy was perfect. So terrify, but what Terrifier Two did was, it comes out and it gets this word of mouth thing that doesn't. Like Hollywood was built on word of mouth in the past, like movie, cinema, and horror movie, ho- horror cinema in particular has been built on word of mouth. It's this movie's going to fuck you up, you know. There was there was the stories about people passing out in the cinema, people throwing up in the cinema because of Terrifier Two, and while I went and saw it and was like, oh, this is fine. I'm a horror hound, so I get it. Like, I, I, I can watch anything when it comes to horror at this point. I just mentioned watching A House That Jack Built. That's a fucked up movie. But Terrify 2 took double the budget, and, and I talked about it before uh, when we were talking about AI and, and stuff like that and how you can't replicate real. Damien Leone's a guy that comes from the Tom Savini school of, like, Tom Savini's um, the, the uh, special effects master and, you know, behind so many horror movies the burning friday the 13th all the way through he's the guy with the little uh, gun on his dick in friday uh, and from dust of dawn if you he, he's an actor he pops up in movies as well and he's so he's a, he's an actor as well but he's a special effects master and uh damien leone talks about meeting this guy as a kid and just being and and when you watch the special features of of terrifier you see how much work goes into it it's like off screen is a guy with a hose that has got fake blood and they just have to Hit the marks as they as they as they as they're chopping down on the on the on the on the body they've created. There's a guy off screen blowing into a hose, blowing blood as they're hitting as they're hitting. They've got a time hitting the body, and 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 so this movie comes out. Get on first take. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they and they're beating the shit out, and they you know they've got people like you know with the heads in one spot, and then a, a character like a creation of their body right next to it, and they're and it all like looks really realistic too. There is some CGI in it, like when there's a glowing sword and there's a there's a law that's building. They're making a third terrify now. It's going to be great. Can't wait. But what this movie did was become a word of mouth sensation. That terrify too. Oh is- yeah, I saw it, and I hate this shit. Um, if anybody has listened this far into the podcast, then you probably know both of us. So it doesn't even matter for me to say. But at the same time. I know about this clown, this black and white clown. He's I, he, he's he's popped up in a Pete Davidson show, that Bobkiss show. Yeah, I, maybe that's how. But yeah. I, I didn't watch that show, but like, I also know 
like the clown it's like our modern like horror guy yeah and that and that's what's incredible about it is that it's become from essentially nothing it's come from a guy's creation and it's come from hard work like what they did with um terrifier the first one was hard work what they did with the second one was incredibly hard work and they made a two and a half hour because horror movies don't usually go two and a half hours either, and Terrify Two is a long horror movie. Yeah, man, I need a horror. And they movie. and they and they made it five minutes tops. <laughs> yeah, and they made it work, and they made it become this this sensation that it was coming out in cinemas for a week, and then it it blew up, and they were like, "All right, cinema's going to keep it for another week," and it ended up staying in cinemas for over a month, and it just kept on getting. And it wasn't like this is just going to be the run; it just kept on being like on his social media, and then just the Terrify accounts just be like. Guess what? Terrifier Two is going to be in cinemas another week. Don't make sure you don't miss it. And I had I was sick when I got back from my visit here in Australia, so I I, I went back to Australia in October. I missed it a couple of times, and even in Australia, it kept on getting another week. And that's just how it was global. And that's what you know. Not to get into the horror specifics of it too much, it's just the fact that a movie could become a word of mouth classic like that, like movies did used to be. It used to not be, you know, it became word over into like real it crossed over into like the real um lexicon yeah because like i knew about this clown without like in you're my best friend Mm -hmm. and i knew about him before i like you told me yeah like that kind of thing yeah exactly and when it's getting into your world because you're not you're not a horror guy like no not at all yeah i'm like just like slightly tapped into like Mm. like the culture and so then, like the culture responds, and it's just like, yeah, and it's just like I recognize that clown because, mm. yeah. yeah. So I went and saw it in Australia, like at nine p.m. on a Sunday night after I'd finished work, and um, <laughs> I think I'd just recovered from being sick. Um, I died. I had COVID for a second time, I think, and um, and I just, I just remember like I got a little drunk beforehand, had a good time watching the movie, and just was just like. This is such a cool moment to be a part of. Again, like a, like what I wanted to bring up this section for. So, all right, your next one. Please. My next film. All right, fuck it. Well, you know I had to take it. Any fan, which probably doesn't exist at this point, but any fan of me would know that I'll take Asteroid City. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm I'm excited. Exactly, and so I'm not gonna like waste anything. Mm. You know, I'm just gonna say like that was a good film, and I'm gonna I'm gonna parlay it with um, French Dispatch. You know, mm-hmm. so that's just like two of my picks in yeah. one. Like I love Wes Anderson. Every like if you're listening to this podcast, you know I love Wes Anderson. It doesn't really matter like what he makes. Like I think Grand Budapest is the best thing that he's made in the past decade but that's fine and he's still making films but like he's still making films that he make he wants to make and like i respect that and like mm. he's making films that are and i know you haven't seen either of those yet so i don't want to give anything away but like he's making films that like i don't know like anybody that wants to talk shit about like Wes Anderson being like a hipster, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look at all the actors and actresses that want to work with him. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks was in fucking Asteroid City. Like, Margot Robbie was in Asteroid City. 
in you just the- look at the trailer like the trailer when it spins through the names that are in there it's just like there is just abundance and it's just like i want you and andrea to see the film so i can talk about margot robbie's performance in it but if i say a single thing about it it will ruin the film so it's just like yeah that's is she favorite. well? This is the thing because Andrea's not a big Wes no, Anderson. We're not talking about it because you. No, 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 no. I'm not asking you any specifics. I'm just saying, Andrea's not a big Wes Anderson fan. She likes Rushmore. She didn't like Life Aquatic, and I don't think she likes any others. Like I think Rushmore is the only movie she likes. Um, is Margot Robbie memorable? Is that that's all I'm asking? Yes. Okay, there we go. That's all I need yeah. to know because that's what. Leaving it at that. That's yeah. it. One word response. Mm-hmm. All right, your third movie. Go. It's actually my fourth movie, technically, because Banshees we tied up on. So, um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, this is going to go way too long if, like, we... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, so my second to last movie is, and again, I know you haven't seen this, but Top Gun Maverick. No, never. I'm going to actually go ahead and talk about this. I'm literally going to go pee. This guy's a dick. But actually, talk about it. <laughs> Say why it's good, but I'm literally gonna go pee. Yeah, yeah, no, you good. No, I'm gonna mute though. So you don't have to listen to me pee. Well, uh, first of all, listeners, I'm really mad that he's muted this because wanted to hear him pee on the podcast. Um, but Top Gun Maverick was—I mean, I don't need to say too much about it as far as its impact on cinema because I think we all know that. Yeah, the Tom Cruise safe cinema thing is like a little bit overdone, a little bit, but. There is an element to what Tom Gunn Maverick did to the excitement of the cinema experience, the excitement of being part of a moment. Because so much of this modern uh, movie watching experience is people talking about movies they've seen on streaming and they've seen it maybe over a space of a couple of weeks. For a few weeks there, it was like, if you wanted to talk about Top Gun Maverick, you had to go to a cinema. And Top Gun Maverick was such a cinema going experience. And I think we're going to see that with Oppenheimer and and Barbie to a lesser extent this week too is like there is a lot of movies that still, unless you have the best whiz bang home theater experience that money can buy, you still can't quite get the full experience of seeing a movie in cinema unless you go and see it. Like and and Dune was one of those as well, um, and Top Gun Maverick was one of the mo- those movies that just made the the movie going experience wonderful. It's not deep; you don't have to think about it too much. Um, but it just was two hours of sitting in your seat and being blown away by sights and sounds. And that's that's part of the cinema experience. Um, and there was there was good action in it too. I mean, I've seen that the, there's criticisms that basically the storyline is somewhat the Star Wars storyline. And I'm like, yeah, and I love it. <laughs> everything it, is stealing from everything. Yeah, and... And and movies like Top Gun Maverick don't shy away from that too either. They they do they even recreate the volleyball scene a little bit in it too, like from the original Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's um You'll never get me to agree that I'm into No, I'm never gonna like I'm probably gonna make you watch it at some point for the podcast just for no, to have no, it. No, never. It's not happening. I'm sorry. Yeah. I guarantee oh, it's gonna happen at some point. I'm way more into your take on it than mine. But I'm just net, like, no, I'm sorry. It's just not from you. Anyway, it was um for for the purpose of like movies that, that came out in the last couple of years. This this one was a a moment in um that did it did break 
what pe- what people's ideas of what uh, what people's fears of what cinema would be post COVID. Top Gun Maverick reminded people that you could make a movie that became a cinema experience, and people want and and because because so much of what we've seen over the last five ten years has been streaming moments and people that can start word of mouth starts going around and it's like oh with stream stranger things okay i'll go home and watch it tonight because i i can easily do that top gun maverick was for a couple of months there if you want to be wanted to be part of the water cooler conversation you had to go out and see it at the cinema and 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 that was the way to see it too that's what was part what was part of the conversation was this movie works in the biggest best cinema you can see it in and that was a good thing and and i know that you don't want to the storyline all that stuff is nothing for you but the filmmaking technique and experience and the things they they broke ground in in filmmaking and how they can make shots happen that happened in that movie is something that genuinely matters so yeah i mean i mean they they put like they put like five million cameras in real fighter jets and had actors go up and get fucking flung around for a couple of hours and then they had to come down, find the footage, work out what worked, and then go, oh, shit, your face didn't look right there. Go back up there and do it again. And there was just, and the way they had to figure out how to fit these great cameras into tiny little cockpits and and, and make it happen was just, there is there is ingenuity. In, and all these things, you know, you, you know, it's kind of like, this is a sideways point, but, you know, people that don't like F1. Sideways, you know, amazing film. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do that at some point. We'll talk about that the other day. Well, uh, but but Formula for, Formula One is a sport. A lot of people don't like it. There's a lot of safety innovations that the cars that we have now come from racing because they they figure it out for the races first and they figure out it works for people too. There is a lot of things that we don't have in cars now that don't happen unless we have racing as well. There's like this weird thing, and and so and there's a lot of things you'd figure out eventually, but you figure out faster because there's racing teams that have a lot of money involved that have to figure it out first before the lazy car companies have to figure it out later. It's the same thing with things happen accidentally in film. It's just like you have to figure out a fucking way to make a shot work for the script that you've written. So really talented people make it work. And in movies like Top Gun Maverick, even if you don't like it, even if you're never going to see it, in the future, there'll be a movie you watch that you'll like that something will come from a movie that like that. And that's the, that's the Hollywood thing is it's like it's all a ecosystem that makes things you know people learn things and that's cool oh yeah and action movies are fucking fun pretentious shit are you done are you done (laughs) give me your last is it your last movie now i can't fucking remember who even knows dude i had i well i actually had mine written down so i know but did, did you have yours written down no, I just know. I just know movies um, I like. I can't remember how many you've done, so. No, we're on like three right now, but like we. Oh no, like... no, no, no! I've done four of mine, so you have to be on your last one. Well, I went off. I went off on the, my first one. Whatever. Okay. Perfect. Okay. We set off to do this podcast like it was like us talking about movies at a bar. So this mm-hmm. is perfect. So who even knows? Like, yeah, like, tell me your favorite five movies of the last two years. It's like, that's so hard. Like, how would you, <laughs> like, how would you even do that? There's movies I know I've left. Like, I, I went through my letterbox and there's movies I want to talk about 
that I've left well, off. This but... taught me to have a letterbox because, like, if we're going to do this in the future, like, I need to have a letterbox. It really helps. It helped me because the the one, the last one I'm going to talk about is a is a is a deep cut that I wouldn't have remembered if I didn't go deep wrong. cuts. Unfortunately, Licorice Pizza was kind of my deep cut, but it was nominated for best film. No, um, I actually hadn't thought about Licorice Pizza in a while though when you brought it up, and it made me think about it again. So that's good. So what's your last one? Give me, give me one more. Well, uh, you know, you know, that my boy, my sweet boy, <laughs> my favorite director, made another movie within the last few years, and it was French Dispatch. I got you. Just it. you just brought you put them in one before. I thought you were doing. Oh God damn it! Okay. Um, yeah. I will take. Yeah, you when you've already put them in, if, if you hadn't put them in one, I'd allow it, but you already put them in one, so you gotta, you gotta pick another one. You know what? You're smart. Uh, Pots and popcorn, baby. Emphasis, uh, emphasis on the pints. I'm gonna take all this quiet. Oh, okay. Because I still haven't watched it yet, because I'm waiting to get a 4K copy of it, because I've heard, because I'm a little snobby bitch. I hate um, that it's a remake. I hate that it's a remake. I hate that it was re. I hate that the seventies remake was definitely. I haven't seen the seventies remake, but I know that it was not up to because this is from the strict German per, point of view. Mm-hmm. Amazing more film. Um, not even my favorite of this year, but I'm just saying, like off the top of my head, once you busted my balls, about. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean that's the point. Um. Yeah, it was really good. It was a really yeah. good film. I hate the ending. And hey, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! I think All Quiet on the Western Front, even the new one. I think just the fact that it's been a classic book for so long. Uh, Statue yeah. of Limitations is out. So you're fine. I hate how they handle the ending. I'll say that. Okay. I hate that doesn't spoil it, so that's fine. No, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know exactly what I don't, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. So that's fine. I hate like the last twenty minutes of that film, or like fucking cut them off and. Okay. Without having seen it, I'll, I, I'm sure that's going to be one of those kind. Of, I keep you hitting my mind. You like that film? Yeah, it's amazing. Like I said, I, I what I need is like, and I haven't had it yet in the last couple of months. Is just I need an afternoon where I can sit down and watch it properly, and I just haven't had it properly because um, because uh, Andrea hasn't had too much interest in watching it. So I, it's one of those months I know I'm going to have to watch on my own, um, and it just hasn't happened yet. But I, I am excited to watch it. I'm really excited to watch it because I love the book and and yeah, it's it's uh, the story that is all quiet in the Western Front is one of the most pure, heartbreaking visceral war stories that exists to this day so yeah well my last movie um, oh german sorry perspective from the german perspective it's insane well that's what the all part of the western front is is german perspective exactly yeah that's why like people should watch it like in like mm. nobody it, it, it did well it did it got respected at the oscars this year which i love to see like um it was nominated for the main act uh film uh but it won the obviously foreign film and one i think it won i can't remember one screenplay like adapted and set like mu- score and music there was one three or four at least including best foreign film so it got it got its dues at the oscars which was really cool um to see for a film that had 
I mean, it had a unique score for a war film as well, just from what I know from seeing, um, listening to some film music as well. So that was cool. All right, my my last one, which was a discovery of a 1980, I believe, Australian film that I had not seen. I'd heard of all my life, hadn't seen. I know I know Shay hasn't seen this movie because it is it is a film based on Australian football. It is called simply The Club, and it's not. It is it is a I would call it. Club. It is a fantastic film about a troublesome year in the history of. And it, it is based on a fictional club, but you can tell it's basically the Collingwood Football Club in Australia, um, a club that it essentially is the Dallas Cowboys of the Australian football. Um, mm. Exactly, and that's what I wanted to hear from you by saying that. But it is, um, it is a, it, it is a film that just goes through the. It it kind of is centered around this club, um, starting to deal with the professionalization of the sport, which started happening in the 1980s. So it was very ahead of its time. It was actually based on a stage play, I believe, as well. And they 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 sign a very highly touted um, forward from the state of Tasmania, which has a very and then he comes in and he's paid a lot of money. He doesn't start off well with his career there and because he was an amateur football down in Tasmania, essentially, and signed for big money to come up and just basically goes through the story of a season. There's the the president of the club and the coach of the club have differences and there's a, it is a very good sports story told from an Australian lens. And being made in 1980, it's very Australian. It's very heavy on the accents. It's very heavy on the fact that they're – the club is essentially just, you know, a boardroom above a pub, and and but it, it deals with it. Closed captioning. Yeah, you might. Saying. Yeah, Andrea often needs um, uh, captions for Australian or English movies, and it might be one of those ones you need it for. But I wish I had it for you at the pub. But if you're a <laughs> fair, if you're a sports fan and you want to watch a sports movie from, it, it is an it is an interesting being that it's now forty three years old now and. And was before it was right at the time Australian football started to really professionalize. It just feels very uh, ahead of its time in a way, and very, very comedic, darkly comedic. Because there's a to not get too deep into it, because I feel like it's one I want to make you watch and do at some point. There's a part because Tasmania in Australia is the state that people make jokes about inbreeding, right? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the forward, and there's a part of the movie where leaks start happening from the club, right? Like some news about people starts getting out of the club and people are like, who's, who's leaking this news. And so this guy that's um, from Tasmania and he smokes weed and he, he's a little bit of a different cat and the club don't like him exactly, even though he's highly talented. He has the, one of the board members from the club, I think comes over. I've only seen it once still. Um, so I'm, I'm going off the cuff of my, of my memory, but this guy from Tasmania starts telling a story about his family history it's like my sister lost all his all her arms and legs, and I, she needed comfort. And then I started making love to her. And then my mom drew. <laughs> and he tells this story of this this incestuous, disgusting story that you spoiler think alert. that you think it. Yeah, it's spoiler alert, whatever. Um, that you think at the time, yeah. and and then Never like watched this, by the way. Um, and it comes with graphics and everything. And the guy, the leader of the club, is just shocked by it. And then the story comes out. And then it comes out that he was, this guy was just telling a complete, like, complete lie about his family history and utilizing the, uh, the um, inherent biases that the mainlanders have about him and, and people from there. And, and it's very ahead of its time. It's very ahead of its time. 
and I think it's and it just I I I think it's just it's just so fucking funny, but so Australian in in its own way. And and for me, one of those movies that stuck in my mind for like discovering that like I'd heard of it all my life, but it was just like it's a movie about footy. Like I'm already heartbroken by by my own team. I don't know if I want to watch this, but then I finally watched it and 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 it I loved it. So if you're still listening at this point, and if you are, dear God, please find help um and you want to watch that i would recommend wolf creek before that you dickhead that sounds like a a better choice and if you don't understand the joke go back and listen to every single podcast we've ever done because i bring it up because uh, it's stupid wolf creek is a horror classic it's just misunderstood by certain people on the outside of the venn diagram I don't get horror films, and that's a fact. Oh, Shay. David. We finally made it to the end of our uh, comeback podcast episode. What do you think? The bottom of the bottle. I've still got a couple more back there that I'm going to drink off air. Oh, same. It's it's bad, (laughs) but um, we should log off. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, thank you for listening. If you've been listening this far, um, we appreciate you. Again, this was, what, is this is, you? Like, what is wrong with you or what is right with you? We don't judge. Yeah. I mean, but uh, we appreciate you listening. It's um, it's fun for us to talk film and, and everything that comes with it. So uh, we're looking forward to getting back to some of our, our film-centric episodes starting next week, as as we talked about earlier with the nice guys that will come, that will come next week. Um. Cool. And then, and then we've got some fun ideas for like an intermittent special episodes as far as like going back and I think the re Oscars is something we've talked about and and talking about past Oscar Oscar years and and redoing redoing categories as to what probably historically fits better as a best picture for example as rather than what happened that year. Shay's Shay's happy. Shay's happy. I like it when I make my boy happy. That's what I live for. But anyway, the, the core of this. Power of the Dog is a movie I wanted to mention. What's that? Power of the Dog is a Ooh, movie. Ooh, another one I haven't seen. This is, there's so many movies I still haven't seen from the past couple of years. So it just shows that this podcast will exist into perpetuity um, because there's too much. But yes, the core, the core the core will always be we're gonna we're gonna start diving into individual movies, and that's what we love. But we have some ideas for some special episodes here and there that we're looking forward to as well. Anyway, fucking glad to be back. Love it. So what was I can't remember. Pour some pints, pop some popcorn. And let's watch some fucking movies. Overlord!